Good evening. You're listening to the Parliament of Rooks podcast, episode 47. It's about time. Podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Lanise. And this is his wife, Melanie Lanise. Um, so as promised, uh, this week, you know, and next, actually, uh, we are going to be covering what is probably my favorite comic book of all time, the uh, the Legion of Superheroes, um, specifically the, uh, you know, the magic elements of it. You know, um, there's one major character, you know, that uh, that we've talked about a couple times here, uh, Mordru, right? Uh-huh, yeah. He's going to be the uh, sort of, you know, grand wizard of the Legion. Um, but because, you know, the Legion itself is such a huge concept like i say you know it, it's my favorite comic book you know but for you know a uh, you know somebody relatively new to to comic books in general whatever it might be a little overwhelming there are probably like more characters in any given legion of superheroes comic you know than like the entire dc universe <laughs> oh wow that's, yeah, yeah. that's intense yeah like the team itself is like 30 people but then you got the supporting characters and you know and their families and their villains and you know this that and the other thing it it's it's a That's big a lot. yes. So so with that in mind, you know, I thought what might be good, you know, as a as a bit of a primer, uh, would be to uh, bring in a guest, basically, you know, someone who could, you know, elucidate, you know, the, the the history of the Legion, you know, sort of like fill in some of the gaps or whatever, you know, that, that you might have, you know, when when faced with this, you know, mammoth, you know, tome of, of the story, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so with that in mind, you know, I thought the uh, the most appropriate way, you know, to uh, uh, bring our guest in is, you know, through a bit of a magic spell. I've I've pulled down <laughs> the uh, the Felix Faust, you know, big book of magic rhymes. And oh. <laughs> awesome. And so let me go ahead and uh, you know prepare my wand and and cast our spell. <clears throat> and I read. <laughs> uh, we need an expert on the Legion. Alas, none's found within this region. So let us use our magic rhyme to open up a door through time. All right, so we have a bit of a treat for you here tonight on the Parliament of Rooks podcast. You know, we have uh, dusted off our ancient tomes and then polished up our crystal balls because uh, tonight we're having company over. Uh, everybody <laughs> give a, a, a big round of applause, a big welcome for uh, Mr. Paul French from the Legion of Substitute Podcasters. Hello, hello. Hi, Paul. Uh, a little bit of background, you know, for our listeners. Um, you know, if you haven't heard the, uh, the Legion of Substitute Podcasters before, you know, I have to give... Credit where credit's due. It was one of the first podcasts I ever began listening to. And a lot of the um, conventions that you find here on our show are lifted whole cloth from, from balls. <laughs> you know, the uh, the whole idea of like reading stories and then sort of, you know, like doing it in a chronological basis. Um, you know, I owe that all to, to Paul. Um, so with that in mind, uh, Mr. French, um, if you could take a moment and uh, tell us about your background. Well, uh, oh, goodness. Um you know, we've been we've been doing our show now for uh, almost eight years, coming up on eight years. Um, yeah, it would have to be. Um, yeah, you guys are up like what, ooh, like, like four hundred and fifty episodes or so, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so now that I think about it, I, we were October of October of two thousand eight. 
So yeah, we'll we'll be coming up on nine years in in October. Because oh. uh, I was I was just thinking I I know that we 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 announced actually both of my daughters uh, <laughs> uh, on the show. Oh so, wow! So I, yeah yeah it was uh, it was it was early on for for Ella and, uh, and just a couple and just well almost four years ago now for uh, for Sarah. So um, so yeah we've been we've been at this a while. And, um, and yes, we do try to be chronological at times, but we kind of hop around between the different eras of the Legion because, you know, it's all about time travel and why be linear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but so, um, you know, our thing originally in, in starting that show was, again, looking for a niche, much, much like you guys have. Of uh, of something that that isn't really being covered, and you know, we used to get all these people on the uh, on the old comics forums, uh, the the Comic Geek Speak forums, saying, uh, uh, "Oh, I find the I find the uh, the Legion so confusing. It's so confusing." And it's like, really? Because you, you read X Men. I know, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> <laughs> and so we decided that that you know, at some point. Um, someone had posted, um, or well, well, Darren had posted something explaining some Legion background to to people, and uh, someone said, "Oh, you know, Darren should do uh, a Legion podcast," and and I was like, "Yeah, he should," but I don't want to just be listening to it. I want to do it. I want to so be a I part of that. Yeah. I said, "Hey, he's right. You should be doing that, and we should do it together." And, That's awesome. Um, and it was actually Matt, uh, Matt Kramer who had suggested that, that Darren do this. So of course he was the next person we invited in. And, um, so, you know, it was all, it was kind of all about that, you know, getting started and we started with the very first story. And so for the first while it was very chronological, but then we kind of, you know, around that time we kind of got excited about some current storylines. And so, you know, our thing was basically, you know, we were, we were all lifelong fans of the Legion and, uh, we felt that, um, you know, we knew that we knew that Legion fandom was was big, and uh, and and that's one of the really neat things about it is you know and and kind of my favorite part of the show, aside from from getting to talk to my buddies every week about funny books, is um, you know the people that we've met as a result, you know and 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 it always it, it you know it it. it it just it's it's always just so amazing uh, that, that we've met all these people in doing this. You know, like we got, uh, uh, um, you know, I had someone sending me um, copies of inter of, of Interlac, like old uh, issues of of Interlac when they were when they were hitting their anniversary um, a, a number of years ago, and it was like, wow, this is really cool. Yeah, and, I, th I think I think I've said this to you before, but like you know, you talk about Interlac and you know the old sort of fan press. I think what you and Darren are doing is basically equivalent to that in the modern age. You know, the, the reason people are reaching out to you in, in that sense is that you are yeah. performing that same service for the fan community that they used to. You know, and from a personal perspective, like I said at the outset, you know, in a very real sense, you know, my show wouldn't have existed, you know, had it not been for yours. You know, well, and, and I remember, and I, and, and I, and I think this specifically the first time I met you was at the CGS Super Show and, <laughs> uh, and, and you, you, you caught up to me out, just outside uh, the, um, the convention center and we, and we, and we were talking and it was like, that's so cool. He listens to our show. Yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm actually currently drinking out of my uh, my wild pig uh, pint glass from from that nice. show, 2012. Nice. So, um, so yeah. So, uh, so you mentioned you know the the niche that, that your show you know focuses on. Um, obviously, you know when I wanted to launch, it had to be something that I had an interest in. You know, the Legion yeah. market was basically you know covered across the board. There was you know at the time yourself. Um, there was one I used to listen to. Um, uh, lots of Legion podcasts, and then of course, oh. I, I think you know um, 
Super Future Friends, right? Super Adrian? Future Friends, yeah. yes, we've we've had them on. Yeah. So uh, so barring that, you know, say that market was pretty well covered. You know, my my second love has always been the sort of you know magical side of the DCU. Oh yeah. Um, we, you know, similar to you, sort of doing a chronological thing, but, you know, obviously we couldn't have started, you know, all the way back because you get into that, you know, repetitive golden age thing. So we kind of put a, a line in the sand and kicked it off uh, our coverage around the dawn of the uh, the Silver Age, you know, with um, the reintroduction of like, you know, Dr. Fate and the Spectre. And uh, we've been doing it now um, about a year and a half. We're not, we're not weekly like you guys are, but we, you know, have like sort of gone in waves and we're currently up to uh, about June of, uh, of 68. Um, but as you know, you know, from listening to the show, you know, one of the yeah. major conceits is that Melanie, you know, all this material is, is brand new to her. You know, like we are going through this chronologically and she's seeing it with the eyes of a newbie, you know. Right. And I'm only and, getting that narrow focus of just like, you know, magic and supernatural. Yeah. And that's what's so awesome, you know, is is that idea of uh, and, and, and that's that's a great thing, because there are other shows that have done the person who knows a lot about comics and the person that doesn't know anything about comics. Mm -hmm. But you get to a point where that person who at first didn't know anything about comics now is very well versed. But by uh -huh. keeping it narrowed to a sing to that niche, you don't lose that. I totally no. Like that that's important because that's the hook, right? Like that's 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 the thing that makes you unique. And and actually it continues to make you guys unique because you you're you're not you're not getting that view kind of colored by all these other different things. Instead, it's a real focus on on this one thing. And and it's interesting because you're going sort of through that that time phase. And I mean, you know, to be up in up in the uh in the late sixties now. Cause I mean, those, you know, th those early issues, I mean, that stuff with the, with the spectre coming back and Dr. Faith, Oh, it's some of my favorites. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, but, but you know, there's some silver age goofiness going on and you're just <laughs> getting into that stage where we started getting comic fans writing comics. Yeah, absolutely. Like Mike Friedrich, right. right. You re yeah. recently saw California, and the, right? Yeah. The guy from California. And then, uh, and, and actually that's a, a perfect launching point because this episode and our next one are going to be, you know, probably the primo fan who started writing, you know, as a child, Mr. Jim Shooter, you know? Yeah. So, uh, I'd kind of like to use that as a, uh, a launching point then, because, you know, as you say, Melanie's sort of seeing everything through a, uh, you know, kind of narrow focus. And one of the things she knows next to nothing about whatsoever is the Legion of Superheroes. We have, uh, Done a little bit of, you know, Weisengerian storytelling, you know, kind of like uh, World's Finest stuff and, you know, more sort of like yeah. almost like childish view toward, you know, like storytelling, which kind of ironic that it took a child to actually introduce some, you know, more mature techniques, you know. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, so if you don't mind, you know, could you give the elevator pitch of the Legion of Superheroes to Melanie? You know, what, okay. what is this? Basically, the, the Legion of Superheroes started out as, as a superhero club of the future. They were inspired by, by the adventures of Superman as a boy, which is the one true and only Superboy. And, uh, <laughs> I feel I need to say that up front. Because no reboots. <laughs> and, and, and so uh, so they were inspired by the, by, uh, you know, the adventures of, of Superman when he was a boy. And they formed this superhero club. And it was and, – and the big thing about it is – is it was teenagers from all different planets coming together to uh, to and basically it gave a, an, an optimistic view of the future, and uh, but but still you know there were still bad guys to fight 
and they were the one and they were the ones to deal with it. And so they had different powers because of the different planets from which they came. And uh, but it was kind of one of one of these one of these visions of a future where everyone comes together. How did they meet then? Well, that's that, that's actually a great story. So so originally, <laughs> what happened is the three founders. So you had uh, one person who uh, named Rock Crin. He was a uh, a guy with magnetic powers, much like everyone on his planet from the planet Brawl. And he uh, had left his uh, his uh, planet to come to Earth to find work to support his family. Uh, there was another guy who uh, who was from a planet called Winneth who had who had gained lightning powers. And uh, he was in search of his missing twin brother. No, 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 not his twin brother, his older brother. Well, his older sister. brother. No, you're right. Sorry. Yes, yes. <laughs> you're supposed to be the expert. Come on now. <laughs> wait, a second, wait a second. That's an edit. Um, <laughs> in search of his older brother, uh, who was uh, on the, a bit on the dodgy side. And then the third founder was uh, was Imrardine of Titan, which is one of the moons of Saturn, and she was uh, a telepath who was coming to Earth to join what they called the Science Police. So they were on this 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 interplanetary flight, and um, there was a an incredibly rich guy called named R.J. Brand, and uh, and basically there was an assassination attempt on him, and. Hmm. The three of them use their powers to save him, and uh, and and in in his gratitude to this, he he basically gave them a job, formed this superhero club. Now that that origin was a bit of a retcon because they kind of started, all, you know, kind of already formed, but but they came up with this as as, as their origin. So this is how they first came together, and the idea of it was. Um, that they would bring people in from all these different planets, and so so people from all over the galaxy uh, and uh, and beyond joined uh, this club, and they used to have tryouts to see if um, you could join. Oh yeah, yeah. So basically, they would come and they'd say, "Okay, so here's my superpower." So they're the cool and, kids. Well, or yes. not? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. Chuck Tan, yeah, not it, so cool, it, but yeah. <laughs> those where you have Matter Eater Lad as a member, um, but yeah, they so basically they would have the tryouts. They would say, "We're going to accept, say, one or two members." It, it, the rule on that was never hard and fast. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they they would often um, it, they basically took as many as they wanted to. Okay. Is what it came down to, um, and, you know, and that and that was more a function of of the writers not knowing the rules, and, uh, <laughs> than anything else. And so they would have tryouts, and they would, you know, because there were there were some people whose powers were like, wow, that's kind of useless. And uh, <laughs> you know, awful. my power is that I can pick up radio broadcasts from anywhere in the universe. And they said, sorry, antenna lad, you're out. because yeah. so, that's not useful at all. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they, I, there was actually one dude that could just turn into a stone, like, for instance, like, yes. you know, wow. <laughs> and he actually won the right to be in the Legion. <laughs> he did, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, and or, or it would be like a power where they didn't have control of it. Yeah, yeah. And, and so they were like, no, you're, you're, this, could be, this could be bad. You know, like, That's dangerous. Like, yeah, like infectious last. She can pass on uh, illnesses. And it's like, yes, but you might make us sick right. while, while we're trying to fight someone. So there, there, were, there were a variety of, of reasons why, why this didn't always work. 
So that's basically like, you know, once again, for Melanie's, back, um, you know, uh, benefit, that's basically the background, you know, from a fictional perspective, like, mm-hmm. so like how they came into being. From a publishing perspective, like you and I have talked about before, you know, Mort Weisinger was always looking to like, you know, flesh out the universe of Superman. You know, he wanted to tell the stories of like where Superman had come from, you know, what was his full, you know, family line back on Krypton. You want to tell the story of like Metropolis, you know, what's Perry White's family like and what's, you know, Jimmy Olsen, who's Jimmy Olsen dating? You know, so what the Legion allowed Mort Weisinger to do is basically expand the entire world of Superman's future. You know, you say, okay, the path that he's on, you know, what's Smallville going to look like a thousand years from now? You know, what is the, you know, descendant of Lex Luthor, you know, going to be a thousand years from now? So it gave him a whole other playground, you know, to expand this thing out. And a lot of the, the writers that you and I have talked about, like Jerry Siegel, E. Nelson Bridwell, mm-hmm. they were right in the thick of that. They were writing these Legion stories as well. Yeah. And I mean, one of the things to consider is is the fact that as we hit the, the Silver Age, like it, it, they, they, they led more to a sci-fi point of view. And that a lot a big part of that was Julius Schwartz was the main editor, and uh, and Julius Schwartz was a was a former sci-fi editor, mm-hmm. and uh, you know a, uh, he he used to edit uh, science fiction books, and and then he got got into comics, and so he used to call in a bunch of the people he dealt with. So you know Edmund Hamilton was a sci-fi author, and he wrote a lot of the early Legion stories. In fact, and, the, the, the very first story, Otto Binder, that guy was coming directly from the Poles. Yes, yeah, exactly. And and so, you know, Otto, Otto Binder, the guy who not only created the Legion, but also created Supergirl. Oh, that's true. And, I, for, I forgot yeah, about that. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that, that Otto Binder is really owed for. And... Um, you know, so so you had the, these guys coming in, and of course Edmund Hamilton, his 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 wife Lee Brackett was actually the person who wrote the script for um, Empire Strikes Back. Oh, that's right, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little, one little, of the uh, little, little bit of uh, yeah, a little bit of sci-fi uh, nerd knowledge. <laughs> uh, but, but so so you had, and the thing was, like in the golden age. Everyone was more magic based. Yeah. They were more mystically based. Like like Green Lantern is the perfect example of this, okay? Because uh, you know, because the Flash isn't a good example because in both cases it came from science. Science, right? Right. But but with with Green Lantern, the original Green Lantern, Alan Scott, who who I think you've seen already, mm-hmm. um, he was more mystically powered. Whereas Hal Jordan, it was all space. He was a space cop. Right. Like like simplest kind of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. You're, you're you're in the you're in the late 50s where everything's like cop shows and uh, and science fiction. Yeah. And so what what, what better than space cop? And <laughs> so so that that's kind of the, the so we were coming into it as more of a science fiction background. And uh, and yeah, and Weisinger was all about expanding the family, because the more he expanded the Superman family, the more he controlled a whole arm of publishing. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, and, yeah. and, and, and he grew that and he grew that. And, uh, and I mean, there, there are some things, uh, Mort Weisinger did that were just crazy, but I'm telling you from Mark, Mort Weisinger, we got so many of the cool things of, of the Superman mythology. And, you know, my, I, I, I got a, a reply back, an RSVP for uh, for my youngest daughter's uh, birthday party, and the and the guy was saying he's like your daughter's Superman knowledge is is pretty impressive. Because <laughs> <laughs> I guess his kid had come home and was saying was saying Sarah was telling me about Brainiac, and he was like, 
Oh my god! No, <laughs> and uh, and 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 it turned out she was act- the reason he was confused is because she was actually talking about Brainiac Five, who is a legionnaire. A legionnaire, and, that's awesome. Yeah, and so 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 that's what she was talking about, and he was like, "I've been reading the comics a long time," and he said, uh, "It was uh, it was pretty humbling to have a four year old." <laughs> Wow. Yeah, that's quite a comment there. That is too funny. Um, so with all the writers that were coming in, like if they're coming from like writing, was it Pulp Fiction? Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. sounds like they were getting, I, I guess, like better storylines. Um, I, I don't know necessarily better storylines because, you know, certainly, you know, under Weisinger's, you know, thumb or whatever, a lot of these stories were dictated to them or at least plotted out to them. Say, so, you know, here's right, a story. Right, because it's Weisinger and he was write. controlling everything. Yeah, and, yes. and specifically with regard to the Superman family, really, as we said at the outset, more of a childish bent. Like, you know, one of the, the things that Mort would do is actually go out and talk to the children and say, you know, what do you guys want to see? Right. They're like, we want to okay. see Superman on the moon. So he's like, all right, guys, you're going to write a story of Superman going to the moon, that, that type thing. It was a direct yeah. feed, you know, from the kids. Um, to sort of loop it back around to our show, you know, as we've talked about before, his approach to magic then is really kind of like a child's view. I mean, when we talk about the Legion of Superheroes, they, in the early days, it's very, very scant, you know, if they're ever going to mention magic at all. I think, oh, yeah. um, I think a couple times on your show, I might have used some of this stuff as uh, stumpage or whatever, but looking yes. at the early adventure days, I mean, it's limited, I think, to, and this will mean nothing to you, Melanie, but... Um, a character named Command Kid, who was like possessed by a demon, um, the Luck Lords, Paul. But I think that might even be kind of iffy because we're not even certain with whether they were actually like fortune inspired or you know like yeah that yeah that that's that it's interesting because that is kind of a, a, a you know a topic of some debate is is that they kind of get explained away perhaps later on. And so maybe not in, in as as was originally intended, mm-hmm. but certainly they get explained away as as yeah, it's it's sort of a uh, it, it's given a very science fictiony uh, explanation. Yeah, with regard to uh, legacy characters, we talked before about you know Lex Luthor, you know having a corresponding thing a thousand years later. Uh-huh. So too did actually um, a character you know, Mister Mixias Pitalik. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There He's was annoying. A, yeah, <laughs> 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 um, but the Legion met his descendant a thousand years later. Um, but I would say that the real advent of Magic and the Legion wouldn't come until a character introduced by uh, E. Nelson Bridwell in um, one of my, you know, as a child, it was one of my favorite uh, two-part stories just because so much, you know, was done in it. But I think as I got older, maybe yeah, I got a little jaded. Do you know the um, the two-parter of the Forgotten Legionnaires where they send uh, Superboy and Supergirl back to their century and make them forget all about the Legion? It's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a story which at the end... Basically, a lot of the um, plot developments which have been done up to that point, um, a certain character lost his powers, a certain par- character was ill, a, a one character even lost his arm. And at the end of the story, all these problems are, are fixed or whatever. So like as a child, I'm like, wow, it's awesome, it's the best. But now as an adult, I'm like, wow, that's kind of a, a bit of hand-waving. Yeah, yeah, you know? What a cop-out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but as I say, the, the one you know, silver lining in that is the introduction of the character of the White Witch. Yes, I'd forgotten that that was Bridwell, actually. Uh, you know, in, in my mind, I, I, I thought it was Shooter, but yeah. It's no, it's, a, it's actually, yeah, yeah it's, it's, you know, it's strangely, it's right in the middle of the Shooter run, but it's like a two-issue gap. I, I don't know whether, right. you know, Mort was punishing Jim or something at that point. For like that. <laughs> or, or, or Jim had homework. Yeah, homework. <laughs> <laughs> so, but with that in mind, it's perfect launching point then for probably, you know, the greatest 
villainous magic character, which is an invention of Shooter. And uh, Mr. French, I will let you take the lead on who that character is. The the jet ski king himself. <laughs> That'll mean nothing to you until yeah, much yeah. later in our show. But yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the yeah, wizard yeah, known but... as Mordrew. You must see this at some point. Okay. And, but yeah, Mordrew is, you know, he became later, uh, I mean, he started out kind of goofy, um, but he became later, I mean, just a huge, incredible magic uh, uh, character. And, and actually, at some point, you're going to have to hit the, uh, and I guess it will be quite a while. But, you know, if you when you hit the um, five year later, that Mordrewverse issue. Yeah, yeah. I, I know that's oh. actually one of Paul's favorite stories. But I'm going to quibble with you, though, saying that he was goofy early on. Maybe a little goofy looking, I guess, you know, with his, you know, thinned hat or whatever. But no, that initial shooter story, you know, when they they go back to Smallville or whatever, I thought that was high drama, you know. For the... and, 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 you know, and, and I mean, that story is, I mean, it, it is it is a fantastic story. No, he, he was... No, you're right. In in that in that first issue, I mean, the Legion is running scared from this guy. Yeah, yeah. There's 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 tons of them, and they're scared of this guy, and including Superboy. Yeah. They're scared of Mordrew. And we will see this, Melanie, as as we you know begin reading this story or whatever. But the great thing about it is they introduce him as a villain that they fought before. We, the reader, know nothing of this or whatever. You just have to That's accept right. this is one of their greatest villains who's now back, you know? Okay. And it just throws you right in the middle of the action. Um, I agree with you. You know, from that point, he had some rough years there. And, not, and honestly, kind of strange. Not a lot of appearances. You know, when you think about the great, you know, Legion villains, you know, Mordrew's right up there. But honestly, until, you know, the end of the Baxter run, only a handful of appearances. He was in, what, like, yeah. Earth War. Certainly, he was the big bad there. Um, yeah. The... Uh, that Lord Romder story, right? You know, where he was, uh, you know, hidden on that on that planet. That's one of Matt Kramer's, you know, least favorites. Um, <laughs> let's see. I think the the blood crystal thing, right? From Curse yeah. of the Black, yeah, from like super early Superboy in the Legion. Um, but that's about it, and until as you say, you know, the Magic Wars. And that's the and that's the thing, and and it's interesting because later on he would be made to be, um, you know, this this ancient um and sort of they, he ended up getting kind of retconned back all the way back to the the 20th century and in fact earlier uh through the amethyst series and um and that was that was keith giffen uh do, pulling a, a lot of that into it and Is you know right? we would later see him show up to, with the with the justice society and uh you know the younger mordrew yeah and uh and and to me that that kind of made him even more terrifying but but yes you know it's hard not to think of him as goofy when you picture him on a jet ski yeah and, so i'm just uh, gonna i'm gonna tie a couple pieces together for melanie because she's starting to look a little quizzical yeah. so um so it's like amethyst series. yeah 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 so long story short one of the um the very famous uh legion you know writers slash artists from the 80s and early early 90s is a fellow named Keith Giffen and um he's a writer I presume he's a writer he started as an artist and then later you know took over the writing you know uh, about uh late eight, I think 89 I want to say he became the the main legion writer um but one of his um sort of e-day fixes one of the things that he really latched on to was the whole idea of like the lords of order and chaos which you and I would know a little bit from the Dr. Fate story, right? Yeah. You know, so what Keith did is, you know, he, he wrote some Dr. Fate and I guess really got enamored of that idea and began yeah, interjecting yeah. it as a thread all throughout the DC universe. There's this um, girl um, who kind of almost a wish fulfillment story. Um, yeah. a, a little girl 
who I, I forget the mechanism, but she in another dimension becomes a princess, you know, basically amethyst queen of gem world. Oh, fun. Okay. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, it's like a whole, it's a whole dimension that's like sort of like ruled by, di- oh, you would actually like it because it's ruled by like different people who are like corresponding to stones. Like there's the house of Ooh. opal and the house of topaz. Yeah, yeah, you would dig it. Um, <laughs> so, but as I say, Keith Giffen, you know, infused, you know, in that story, the, um, the influences of order and chaos, you know, from Dr. Fate. Uh-huh. Okay. Now, having worked on, on the Legion stories, you know, he took this character that, you know, Paul and I were talking about, you know, Mordrew, this mm-hmm. big wizard or whatever, and said that the reason that he's been, you know, such a powerful guy throughout history is he actually dates back to Gemworld, basically a thousand years earlier. So he's ancient. Yeah. I always felt with Gemworld, it's like, we don't really know where that all sits time-wise. You know, we know that's that... That's a good point. It's, yeah, it's like in another dimension all entirely. Like, is that now or is... Yeah. So it's point. independent and we don't really know. That could be. Yeah. I mean, that, that was always my interpretation of it anyway. And um, and again, as as, as Thomas said, it, it's it's a it's definitely, a, you know, a, a sort of an, an afterthought kind of thing. Um so so yeah, and then then they of course had like you say they had him as a uh, as a Lord of Chaos with uh, with with the whole Doctor Fate thing, and I think that was because that was Giffen's first sort of post Legion or concurrent with the Legion really uh, assignment. He was doing those eight page um, Doctor Fate stories. So I have a question about Mordrew. Yeah. So because in, in my mind, I don't have a lot of exposure again, um, but. In my mind, like, I mean, I'm hearing that he's like this really fierce figure here, but I've also heard that he's goofy and you've made mention of a jet ski earlier. And so in my mind, I have this like kind of mix like uh, in my head about like, you know, Mordrew must be along the lines of Felix Faust because like Thomas, you know, has this like great voice for Felix Faust, <laughs> which would, if I apply that to Mordrew, makes him goofy. Yeah, I mean, he, he's kind of both, honestly. There's been, like, like multiple interpretations, you know? Like, he is the high mage, but, uh, but yeah, there have been some unfortunate mistakes. I, I will let you take the lead, Mr. French Guy. I know it's one of your, your favorite things. Um, tell Melanie about the, the Legends of the Superheroes. Oh, the Legends of the Superheroes. Okay, so this was a live-action um, TV show that was done in, uh, in the 70s. Um, so we already know it's going to be awesome, right? Right. All the quality <laughs> television came out of the seventies. That, that's exactly <laughs> it, right? And um, and so it was kind of put on like uh, like they were they were two live action TV specials, and uh, so it would have been in in early nineteen seventy nine, and so at the time they had the Super Friends cartoon show was was on Saturday mornings, uh-huh. but but this was also to reunite the characters from the Batman TV series. A full, you know, that was it. Like a full the, the, 10 years after their prime now. So it's Adam yeah, West, yeah. Burt so, Ward, plus 10 years, plus 20 pounds. Yes. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. and, and so so here's the thing is you've got um, the guys from the, you know, and, and I mean, because the Batman TV series was, had been in, in heavy syndication at that point. Like that's, that, that's what got me into comics in the first place was as a kid in kindergarten at, at five years old in, in uh, the mid seventies, um, see watching this Batman show after school. And my friends and I were like, did you see Batman? Wasn't that the coolest thing? <laughs> and because to us as kids, it was serious. Uh-huh. Right. And, um, and not to and the so, adults, but yeah. 
<laughs> not so much. And it's funny because I've watched it with my kids, you know, and it was kind of neat. Like it was one of those moments where it's like when when my oldest was was five, you know, we were sitting there watching this. And I remember watching it when I was five with my dad. And so oh, it's kind wow. of a neat, a neat little, a neat little sort of tradition, right? Yeah. And, and, and so, so yeah, so this was 10 years later, they reunite these characters um, and they add a whole lot of other characters. So they had, um, you know, Captain Marvel, you had the Flash, you had Hawkman, you had the Huntress, who was like the Earth 2 daughter of Batman. Of Batman, yeah, yeah, and you had your favorite Adam. Black Canary was on it as well. Ah, oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Black Canary, yeah, and of course you had a bunch of the uh, the great um, villains. You know, you had like Frank Gorshin appearing as the Riddler, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, you had um, Sinestro play uh, played by uh, Charlie Callis, um, who you know used to be in a lot of Mel Brooks movies. Um, and, uh, and so you had, uh, Ruth Buzzy as Aunt Minerva, Ed McMahon played himself because, <laughs> you know, who else, right? A very, um, a very impressive Pat, Solomon Pat, Grundy, actually. I'm, I'm not yeah. sure who, who played that, but, uh, pretty impressive looking. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. And, um, yeah, uh, Solomon Grundy was Mickey Morton. Mickey Morton of, um, oh, um, the other one from the Star Wars Holiday Special. Actually, Mickey Morton's other claim to fame is he, play, right. he plays Chewbacca's mother. Oh, wow. <laughs> he, was in, he was in two of the worst things ever on television. Exactly. Um, yeah, and uh, and of course Adam West and Burt Ward re- reprising their uh, roles as um, as Batman and Robin. Uh, but in amongst these, we also had Mordru played by Gabriel Dell. Which, and so just re- re- real quick interjection here, because this yeah. is a um, particular note for Melanie. So Gabriel Dell, back when he was a little kid, was actually one of the dead-end kids. Leo Gorsi and all that. Oh! Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So 60 okay. years later, he's playing, you know, uh, the the Wizard of the 30th Century. <laughs> Which is all kind of neat. And so um, he played... Mordrew. And one of the things they had was at one point with them all on, on, on jet skis. And so it's Mordrew on a jet ski. It's just one of those goofy scenes that when I think of Mordrew, I can't get that out of my head. <laughs> I'm, kinda, I'm really curious it, about this now. They kind of do it like a, like a, a, um, a celebrity roast. Right, because the the Dean Martin roasts were big at the time. You uh-huh. know, we used, to, you know, and uh, so they had um, played this a, a, as as one of the roasts, and then then they did. So there was the roast, which was hosted by Ed McMahon. <laughs> but but so so in the first one though, uh, you had the Justice League celebrating uh, the retirement of the Scarlet Cyclone a retired uh, hero that we had never seen anywhere else before. Uh, and it gets interrupted by the Legion of Doom, which consists at this point, uh, and again, that ties into the uh, the, the Super Friends uh, cartoon series. So you had the Riddler, Weather Wizard, Sinestro, Mordru, Dr. Savannah, Giganta, and Solomon Grundy. And so they tell them, we've hidden a, a deadly bomb in a secret location, and you must follow our clues to find it. But the whole idea is to get the trick the heroes into drinking this depowering potion that Mordru has created. Ooh. Yeah. So, and eventually they disarm the bomb, recover their powers. Everything is, uh, is great. 
Um, and then, yeah, the second one was when they did this uh, this roast. Um, so it actually got released on video f- about seven years ago. Um, I don't know that this was a big seller. Uh, <laughs> it, is all over, it is all over YouTube, though. So Morjuana Jet Ski is an image that is hard for guys uh, guys of my age to get out of their head when they think of Morju, who, as... As Thomas says, and rightly so, is portrayed as kind of a badass in the uh, in the comics, and um, but yes, that that television portrayal really belied all that. <laughs> so, uh, so to Melanie's point, then, with the sort of like you know vacillation between these two extremes, I'm going to put it um, the spotlight back on you again, Paul, to yeah. highlight the the flip side. So I know for a fact that you know one of your um, you know most favored portrayals of uh, you know the uh, the grand mage is from the uh, the five year later run. You know the oh, sort of yeah. dinner with Rock Crin. Um, so take a moment and uh, and tell Melanie. You know why that portrayal of Mordor. You know the basically opposite end of the spectrum. You know uh, was uh, so deeply imprinted on you. Yeah, and and the, the whole idea of uh, uh, and this becomes kind of a, a, a point of the Legion's origin uh, again a retcon, but this was this was Keith Giffen who loved this whole you know as as we've said he loved this whole order and chaos thing, mm-hmm. um, and he had it set out that, that basically in in his story Mordru was fated to rule the universe for a thousand years. Okay. And what happened was the time trapper, who was a, a, a villain, again, played in various different ways, but, uh, but basically at this stage was an all-powerful uh, controller of time. And so the time trapper basically put all of the events in motion that created the Legion because he wanted the Legion to be the counterbalance to Mordru. The, the Legion, okay. and, and, and there's, and there's a, a, a neat sort of meta side to this, right, is that he was using science to, uh, to counterbalance magic. And right, because there's that whole again order and chaos, right? Right. And uh, and so so there's this kind of that 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 sort of neat meta level as well is that they they he put events in motion to create the legion. The legion would stop the rise to power, but then the legion become more powerful than the time trapper expected. And so again, balance is important. Right. Uh-huh. And so so the Legion is considered a potential threat. So uh, Monel, who is one of the uh, the characters, very similar to uh, to, to Superboy at, at this stage, um, but from another planet, he okay. actually destroys the Time Trapper. And so what this ends up doing is it disrupts the whole space time continuum. OK, yeah. And it creates this this sort of sideward timeline in which Mordru does come to power and he rules the universe. And, um, and they have this fantastic story of how the characters who would have otherwise been legionnaires band together to stop him. And they eventually recreate the, um, the timeline with some variations. As a, and, for, uh, for, for any other non-comic fan, I think this would be a difficult concept, but for Melanie, who, <laughs> who is a huge fan of Lost, I mean, this oh, is exactly, <laughs> this is basically Juliet exploding I'm, I'm the bomb. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Yes. It's exactly what it is. Yeah. It, is it, it is exactly it. And so, um, uh, so what ends up happening is, is they've got, they've got, you've got more Drew, um, and, and it kind of explains the way he, eh, he tried to ca- capture some plants, but didn't succeed. 
And so they, the sorcerer's world, basically, they find an opportunity to remove his magical powers, and uh, they, they bring him onto their world called Xerox. <laughs> Spelled with a Z. That's oh, it. totally yeah. different. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, completely different. Uh, and um, crazy stuff happens with with with, with him, and uh, and and that's probably getting a, a little too far deep into it. But this, yeah, this story of Mordru as the as the guy who rules the universe, and then they they change that. And and uh, in the cur- and then in the current day, you know, after all this has happened, they actually have to go to Mordru, and they have this this issue, which where where a good chunk of it, one of the big plots is the. Remember, I talked about that that uh, that kid who had the magnetic powers at yeah. the beginning of the Legion. Well, he's their leader uh, at this stage, and you know, he's kind of the elder statesman of the Legion, and uh, and it's and it's the two of them having this incredibly tense dinner uh, and 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 talking to each other you know about their past and everything and it's like and it sounds like the most boring thing ever but it's one of my favorite stories they've done yeah it's a, it's uh, a very it, very sort of like tense almost like political you know like you know yeah, yeah like and and and, and what you said about Mordu losing his powers i never even thought about that here you have an individual who has been stripped of his powers now facing someone else who's been stripped of his powers that's that's right because at, at this stage cosmic boy who was that magnetic guy yeah. um he had he had lost his powers before you know and this was the whole thing one of the conceits of of this volume of legion stories was he's the guy who's pulling them back together and he's the guy who doesn't have uh, superpowers anymore yeah. right well that's and, interesting uh, yeah. but the idea of it is is like his superpower is leadership <laughs> wow yeah, yeah that's that's and, an important and, one and being able to inspire the rest of them and uh and so he is sitting a, a, a across from this guy uh you know at, at times sort of the way they play it comes off as as the worst kind of crime lord like just you know he he has so much power and um and is is deadly and uh and and so yeah the whole thing is it's just incredibly tense but you know that that one always always wowed me, and like I say, that that one issue where they had what we call the Mordru verse, where uh, <laughs> where it's this alternate timeline in which, uh, you know, the 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 disruption without the time trapper caused that imbalance of you know again that imbalance of order and chaos and science and uh, and magic that allowed magic to take over, and uh, and for a comic like the Legion, which was always so science based it's kind of a neat thing for them to do uh, to sort of play off both sides of, of, of that, of that kind of thing. And it, and it sort of answers the question, you know, why, why um, not as much magic in, in the Legion's world. And a big part of that is because they, that, that whole keeping the balance of, of science and magic and, yeah. uh, uh-huh. and, and balance is, is all important to keeping the, uh, the, the world on an even keel. Yeah, the um, the series Paul's talking about was really just miles ahead of its time. I, I, I think. Yes. Wait, miles ahead of its time. Wait, so distance and time mixed together. I, I, I think my, my metaphor sort of fell apart there. <laughs> but uh, but uh, you know, but accordingly, I think it um, you know didn't sell as well because in, in just a matter of years they. Um, you know, they canceled that series, and we talked before about the, the sort of different versions of, of the Legion, how they'll occasionally, like, reboot it. Uh-huh. Um, well, this signaled one of those things. Okay. And so the uh, the next iteration of the Legion, they basically 
took it back to its roots, said, you know, all these sort of like mature stories, these, you know, these adult legionnaires, you know, dealing with these political situations, forget all that. They're kids again. They're going out, you know, for their original adventures. And in this new thing, which is sometimes, you know, derogatorily called uh, the Archie Legion. <laughs> oh. Sometimes lovingly so. Uh, <laughs> the Juggies, isn't that what you guys call them? The... We call them the Juggies, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, it's dark, yeah. So, but, uh, but in this new version, they actually did, you know, I think for the... Um, right from the, not from the, the the outset, but I think w- within like five or six issues, they introduced a uh, a main character legionnaire who hadn't existed in the um, in the previous iteration um, called Kinetics, who for the very first time yes. was a magic focused character. Her um, and I think you guys um, may not have gotten into this on your show yet, right? You haven't done a lot of uh, reboot stuff. Well, all, all we no, we haven't, and and in fact, it's it's. Um... You know, we, we've right now on on our uh, Facebook page, we've got a, we've uh, put up a poll to uh, determine which era we're going to cover next. And uh, and so it kind of goes between the, um, you know, either continuing on with Superboy and the Legion or hitting the reboot. And I got to say, I'm, I'm inclined to hit the reboot because there's a, a lot of that stuff I haven't read since it came out. Since it came out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and and there's a good chunk of it. I haven't read it all. Um, because it has been, you know, there was just a, a gap where I, where, I, where I wasn't reading a lot of stuff. And so uh, that's something. And, and so I've decided, like, I'm not going to read this stuff because I want to uh, I want to come to my first realizations of it on the show. Oh, that's awesome. Yay. All right. right? So, yeah. so with that in mind, you know what, let's uh, let's put a pin in the Kinetics discussion. Maybe we'll have you back in, in a year or so. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let me think. Other versions. Um Three boot. I, they didn't really have a lot of magic going on in the three boot, did they? That they, was no. They didn't get into you. We didn't really get into him. You know, um, like there was a version of Mordru in uh, in in the, that post zero future, who of course ended up t- still tied into a lot of that other stuff because uh, Jeff Johns would later use him in uh, in Justice Society, mm-hmm. and um, so you know. We had a legion with with younger heroes that had just started up, and uh, Morju actually was a couple of hundred year, a, a couple of centuries old before then. Uh, he had he had a large empire in the twenty eighth and 29th century, and then had been trapped in had been imprisoned, and so he gets released by this mining project on the asteroid, and. Um, and and so they the the uh, legion has to deal with him as he's looking for these lost talismans which hold his power. Wow! And uh, that's is all know, new to me. I don't think I've ever read that story. Which was the Emerald Eye. Oh yeah. Um, which was a weapon used by uh, another legion villain called the Emerald Empress. Yeah. Um, it really just like he didn't appear much in in post zero hour because it was much more science based. You yeah, know, we yeah. had a couple of magic characters. But for the most part, uh, they really focused on the sci-fi elements, and uh, and so he gets uh, revived in in um, Legion of Three Worlds, and then not really seen again since. Well, so but I was going to say, so you know, to sort of like tie in all the themes of you know this discussion or whatever, Mordru sort of you know goes up and down the power spectrum because the uh, yeah. the last time I remember seeing him, as you say, in Legion of Three Worlds, he was once again getting his power stripped. By we didn't go too deep into her character, but by that character that E. Nelson Bridwell invented, the White Witch, 
actually yeah. absorbs his power and becomes, you know, for a very short time, which I think they never followed up on, the Black yeah. Witch, right? She's yeah, now sort right. of informed by the evil of Mordru's power. And you know, Is that like for the balance? Very well could be, yeah. They were probably, you know, laying the groundwork there for another, you know, order chaos thing. But like I say, DC in, in modern times is sort of having a difficult time figuring out what direction they go in. Any any sort of plot they introduce runs for about two or three years and they're like, ah, forget it, let's try again. You know, essentially. And and now one of the things is um there was um we, we, I, I talked briefly about, you know, how old was Mordru. Mm. It was established in the Justice Society storyline, Justice Be Done, where where he did show up. And, and uh, the hour man of that time, he tried to de-age Mordru and it didn't work. Oh, he just couldn't go <laughs> back far enough? Well, the, the idea was that Mordru, his life had no beginning or end. No, Mordru had never been born and will never die. He has so, always existed. Yeah, exactly. There has always been more Drew. And, that, and is that, that's a Jeff Johnism you're saying? Is that came that out? That is definitely a Jeff Johnsism. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that was something that that, uh, that 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 came up in when he appeared in the uh, in the Justice Society, uh, the JSA series, like that <laughs> that one that that started that actually started dealing with more Drew. Um, the it was uh, David Goyer, uh, um, James Robinson, and Jeff Johns, and then eventually. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff Johns was the last man standing, and he wrote the book for the rest of its run. Yeah. I'm looking at the at Melanie's face, and I think we, we lost her about 20 minutes <laughs> for, for, for a newbie. I, I know, you get two Legion fans together, and this is like, like yeah. I say, we just go down the rabbit hole. Um, so so with that in mind, I'd like to turn it over to you, you know, for just any, you know, any questions you have about this discussion. You know, you got a captive audience here with, you know, two relative, you know, Legion experts. You know, what, what are your questions about Mordru before we start digging into the story? Uh, you know, I just, I really have a comment. Um, I think that, uh, Paul, this is for you. I, I think that um, the story that you were describing before, where the guy who was stripped of his power is the one, like, he had, like, the, you know, an inherent power of leadership. Yeah. I, I think, like, probably what's, like, so engaging about that story is that, like, really, any man, you know, like, could, or, or woman, for that matter, could, you know, has that. You know, like, you can always bring people together. Absolutely. You know, and I think, like, that's, that could be, you know, like, why it was so engaging without a doubt i mean i mean the idea of it was that that this is like this is the real deal right this is what defines a hero it isn't the powers it's the person right and uh and and so you know he went in there to uh to 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 meet with mordru who is this terrifyingly powerful uh being and uh and he's got no defense except for his wits right Right? Yeah. And and yeah, that's exactly why it's so engaging. I mean, because it's all about the dialogue between them, and, uh, and and you know that that is exactly it. Is that 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 you know this is the true measure of the hero is that powers or no, I got to do what's right, and I got to I've I've got to face this guy, and I've got to I've got to deal with this, and uh, and he does. Well, I can think of no better note to uh, close out this conversation. It's a very inspiring thought. Um, Mr. French, I'd like to thank you for joining us. Um, take a moment, um, let some folks know where they can find you out and about. Ah, yes. Well, we can be found uh, at legionofsubstitutepodcasters.com. And so you can check out the show there. Uh, we are, uh, we have just hit uh, just over 440 odd episodes. And uh, we've, we've been running every week. 
since uh, October of, uh, of of 2008. So, uh, and uh, and it is a point of pride. We do, we we do, we do not miss that Monday upload. <laughs> <laughs> okay. so, we, so, we, yeah. we started that like you know I, I said at the beginning we tried to emulate you know a lot of I'm like we're gonna do it every Monday and then I was like uh, you know maybe every other Monday ah, let's take a month <laughs> off. You know, <laughs> I got I got to say you know that's it, that's not a bad idea. Um, but you know I've set this pace and so it's like hell or high water yeah. and so i actually you know for for times where stuff comes up and we can't i actually have you know a couple of episodes in the can here and there that that, that, that can be uh that can be put in there but so so yes new content uh, uh, new content of, of some sort uh, every week and uh sometimes it's uh, it's a legion story and the odd the odd time there's uh there's me going over one of the great superboy series that's right. The adventures, which, uh, adventures of Superman when he was a boy. Which just and, just uh, recently, for the benefit of Melanie, uh, Paul covered a story when uh, Superman as a baby met Zatara. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's a heck of a thing. I, uh, uh, yeah. Um, so a- anyway, so yeah, stuff every every week. Um, we also have a, a, a pretty robust uh, Facebook community, uh, which can be found facebook.legionsubstitutepodcasters.com. And, uh, and, and so, yeah, jo- you know, definitely joining the group there. Ask your questions. Believe me, there'll be a whole bunch of people ready to, ready to, uh, to give you some answers. That's and, great. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so again, legionsubstitutepodcasters.com. We're there every week. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. And, uh, you know, you're, so much you're welcome anytime. Yeah. Thanks. I've, I've been really enjoying the show. So thanks very much. Awesome. Bye. Thank you. And with that, our magic spell has worn off as we return back to, you know, our own century. Um, what do you think? Do you, uh, you have a, a little bit more of an understanding now of, you know, what the Legion is, how they, they fit into the DC universe, all that? A little bit, but it sounds like, it sounds pretty complex. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so the story that we're going to be covering tonight, actually, I think is going to uh, be a, sort of a nice intro for you to the Legion. Um, you know, as Paul was saying, you know, obviously it's a very, very large team. Um, but this particular story, you know, the one where we're dealing with uh, Mordred the Merciless, uh-huh. uh, is going to like sort of have a small microcosm. The, um, the sort of premise of the story, as you'll see, you know, is such that, you know, we're only going to look at maybe like, you know, four or five characters or whatever, you know, they're sort of like isolated from the rest of the team. Mm-hmm. Um, so that should just sort of help you a little bit. Um, kind of unique in this story. Um, obviously, you know, the Legion takes place, you know, a thousand years in the future. This particular story, though, actually takes place in the time of Superboy. Um, so before beginning this story or whatever, I'd kind of like to do a little bit of a, you know, a primer, I guess, on where Superboy resides in the overall, like, sort of chronology of DC. Um, you and I have talked before about, you know, the, the concept of the golden versus the, the silver age. Yep. You know, and as it's represented in the, you know, stories we read, they kind of divide that to make it actually, like, separate Earths. So Earth 1 or Earth 2. Earth 1 or Earth 2, exactly right. So Earth 2 is where all the sort of, like, World War Two golden age characters, you know, live. Uh-huh. And then Earth 1 is where all, like, the Justice League and, and most of what we read, you know, takes place. So to kind of put it into perspective then, on Earth 2, when superheroes started, you know, like coming to being, the first one of those, you know, the first one that the public knew about was Superman, okay? Superman, full adult. Like he didn't start, you know, fighting crime or whatever until an adult. On Earth 1, however, he actually started as a boy. Um, I assume you you know a couple things about like, you know, the story of Superman. Like for instance, you know, like what planet is he from? Krypton. Krypton. And why did he leave Krypton? 
Because it blew up. Because it blew up. Yeah, very good. Um, so, yeah, his father, Jor-El, basically, you know, launched him away from the planet in a little rocket ship or whatever uh-huh. because he wanted to, I guess, give his son a, you know, a chance at survival. Um, he lands, you know, this little rocket ship lands here on Earth. And uh, and who finds it? Um, the Kents. The Kents, exactly, right. So they find this little baby. They take him in. They name him. Clark. Clark Kent, exactly. And then, so he basically grows up, you know, I think I think they refer to it as, you know, in some of the stories, I guess the, the foster child or whatever. I think they turn him over to, like, the adoption agency, but then they foster the, this child or whatever. Clark so they, they raise him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, and as they raise him, you know, he begins discovering his powers far earlier than the Superman of Earth 2. He discovers him basically, you know, as a baby, you know, and then, you know, as he's growing up and becomes, you know, Superboy, mm-hmm. he actually goes public earlier than the one on, you know, on Earth 2. So he has a whole career as Superboy. Okay, so just as like a young kid... And then he also has superpowers, like, well, I guess for the rest of his life. Yeah, exactly. So he grows up as a teenager, is having teenage experiences right. as a superpowered individual. Exactly. Right. And so and that's, you know, as we were saying with the Legion, that's where they sort of come in. Because now on Earth-1, all these other superheroes, you know, Batman, Green Lantern, Flash or whatever, don't actually, you know, come into being until Superboy slash Superman's adulthood. So the entirety of his childhood, he's the only hero on Earth, mm-hmm. okay? And that's why the Legion is so sort of important, right? They come back from the future. They act as his, you know, superpowered, you know, peers. And then, you know, and then he goes forward, has adventures with them. So his universe becomes more fleshed out. You know, it's not just, you know, a single individual. Um, that's sort of important for the story that we're going to read here. Because oftentimes what would happen in Superboy stories is um, they would introduce maybe, you know, like one-offs or whatever. Some superpowered teens generally from uh, like outer space. Like, you know, a boy from Mars would come and be like Mars boy or, you know, like <laughs> Neptune, I mean, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Just like, you know, and it would be a story just to, you know, sort of like counterbalance Superboy so he has like somebody to play with. You know? Right, okay. So, but a very important one of these individuals, and I'm not going to go into his whole background because it, it actually does get kind of complex, but is an individual named Mon-El. He is very similar to Superboy, okay, um, from a planet similar to Krypton. His planet is, is called Daxum. And he comes to Earth um, sort of with uh, amnesia. At first, he doesn't understand, like, you know, who he is or whatever. And so Superboy, you know, his, his name on Krypton was Kal-El. So he finds this, this boy on a Monday and says, oh, you know, you, you know I'm going to treat you like my brother. I'm going to call you Mon-El because I found you on Monday. Right? <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I, like I say, I, maybe at some point we'll read this story. But suffice to say, at this point or whatever, uh, Monel regains his memory, mm-hmm. okay, at some point, re, you know, discovers who he, you know, he is, and through a series of circumstances, which are very complex, winds up going to live in the 30th century, okay, it goes a thousand years into the future, it's more complex than that, but, you know, like, let's just say he's now a legionnaire, okay? Okay. All right, so during Monel's time in Smallville, you know, that's the little town where, where Superboy lives, uh, he too takes on a secret identity in this, in this original story. Um, they introduce him as, uh, I think they're like their cousin or something, but who is a traveling brush salesman, right? Okay, <laughs> right? that's, that's weird. Well, that, but that's why nobody's ever seen him before. You're like, oh, look, it's suddenly our, our cousin. And his name is like a little silly. His name is Bob Cobb. That's his secret identity. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and so that is going to come into play in the story that we read tonight because Monel is going to, you know, go back to Smallville and take on this identity. Um, the other Legionnaires we'll be dealing with... Um, you know, as we were saying, every Legionnaire has a unique superpower. You know, there's, a, you know, like Lightning Lad, Cosmic Boy, each one with a distinct power set. The two that we're going to meet tonight is a girl named uh, Duo Damsel, who basically can split into two girls. Okay. Okay. 
and then a girl named Shadow Ass, who basically can project shadows and darkness, you know, a very simple type thing. Uh, I'll prep you a little bit. She has blue skin, you know, <laughs> like okay. all the Legionnaires are aliens from different planets, so on and so forth. Um, the only other thing I should tell you is in relationship to Smallville itself. So Superboy, you know, slash Clark Kent, you know, has a supporting cast of characters, two of which are going to be important to this story. Uh, the first one is his, uh, his sort of pseudo-girlfriend, you know, she's sort of a, uh, um, a classmate of Clark Kent's who, like, has a crush on Superboy, and similar to Lois Lane, is always trying to prove that Clark Kent is Superboy, and uh, her name is, do you know this girl? Um, Lana... Lana Lang? Lana Lang, exactly, right. So Lana Lang, you know, is basically the lowest lane in the Superboy world or whatever. Um, and then the other one is uh, Clark Kent's buddy, um, Pete Ross, who... Uh, Pete's thing is basically he uh, he's a really nice guy, straight you know straight laced fellow or whatever. Um, but one night he accidentally discovers that uh, Clark Kent is Superboy. They're out camping and uh, like in the middle of the night, there's like a, a lightning strike where Superboy is getting ready to go on a mission or whatever. And Pete wakes up and looks outside and sees him changing, and you know so he he knows the deal, but. He never tells him. He's just like, I vow to always, you know, you know, protect Superboy. If anybody, you know, knows whatever. Because Superboy needs protection. Well, you know, hey, sometimes he does. Sometimes, you know, Kryptonite shows up or whatever, you know. But Pete is always there in a pinch, you know, with the, this knowledge that is his great secret. All right. Now, the reason these two are important is because oftentimes Mort Weisinger, to interconnect all the different strands of the, you know, Superman, Superboy, you know, universe or whatever, would tie together disparate elements. In this case, the disparate elements are the fact that Lana and Pete are both, in a sense, members of the Legion of Superheroes. They, for different reasons, have been like rewarded by the Legion for being like loyal to Superboy and given sort of like honorary membership. Uh, Lana, <laughs> through like a bizarre set of circumstances, comes into possession of this like magic ring. Um, that allows her to affect like uh, different like insectoid forms, like <laughs> you know, she can become like like a spider, for instance. Or maybe not a spider, because I guess that's not an insect, <laughs> right? But, no, that's an arachnid. Yeah, yeah, but maybe like 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 an ant or like a moth or you know, whatever. You, you'll see any it. kind of creepy crawly thing. Exactly right. So can that's... we call her Ladybug? <laughs> Ladybug, okay. <laughs> uh, actually, no. Her name is uh, Insect Queen. You know, it's very sort of Silver Agey type thing, or whatever. Yeah. Um, Pete Ross, on the other hand, uh, has no superpowers, um, but as I say, you know, the Legion, to, uh, to reward him for being so loyal, basically makes him an honorary member. They don't tell Superboy why, you know, they're just like, you know, oh, he's your buddy. Whatever. Just because. Right. So each of them are going to appear in the story and have sort of like Legion ties. Um, I think that might be all the background you need. Um, the story's sort of unique, you know, with the introduction of Mordru, because he's introduced, like on page one... As a villain that the Legion has fought before. Mm -hmm. You know, normally that's not the way it would be. They'd be like, oh, here's a new villain or whatever. This one they introduce as like the greatest villain the Legion has ever fought or whatever, and now he's back. So that's kind of unique as well. Yeah, because then it puts you right in the middle of everything. Yeah, yeah. And it's very cool. Um, so before we begin, any any other questions? It seemed like, you know, you got everything you need? No, I think so. Right. I mean, as much as I can be prepared. Yeah, okay. So with that in mind, uh, let's go ahead then and take a look at, uh, you know, the, the first of two issues, you know, where the story's going to occur, um, Adventure Comics number 369 uh, from June of 1968. Uh, this was written by, uh, you remember, young Jim Shooter, uh -huh. you know, who, let me pull back the curtain a little bit. Uh, last weekend, Melanie and I actually went to a, a very local comic convention where 
very, very strangely, coincidentally, um, you know, Jim Shooter, you know, the writer of this story, and Neil Adams, the the artist on, on the cover, were both appearing, and Melanie and I sat down and we, and we spoke with both of them. Um, we'll go into more of the details of, you know, what they told us, I, I think, on our next episode. Um, Jim's really tall. <laughs> he's very, very tall. <laughs> and uh, But suffice to say, it was a, it was a great time and, uh, you know, actually sort of, you know, illuminated some of the things in, in this story, you know, we asked them specifically. Um, so, yeah, as I say, it's written by Jim Shooter, uh, penciled by uh, Kurt Swan, who is, you know, the perennial Silver Age Superman artist, um, inked by Kurt Swan himself on page one. You know, it's, it'll sort of stand out as a, a unique artistic style, you know, the splash page. Uh, the rest of it is inked by Jack Abel. Uh, letters by uh, Gaspar Saladino and, uh, and Charlotte Jetter. We had said before... Um, uh, female letterer, um, late of uh, Fawcett Comics, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and the cover uh, is pencil and ink by Neil Adams, of course, and uh, and letters by Ira Schnapp. Um, now, interesting thing here. This, I, I think I mentioned a few episodes ago, is actually the very last work that Ira Schnapp did for DC, you know, is the lettering on this cover. Um, wasn't fired or anything like that. It was just an extremely old man. You know, he was mm-hmm. like, I believe, in his 90s. And, uh, and he retired down to Florida. Um, you know, I it, we could do a bio of Irish Schnapp, and because he lived a fascinating life. But that being said, there is a ten-part retrospective on the life of Irish Schnapp put out by a one of my favorite you know comic blogs, uh, Dial B for Blog. Um, it's uh, trust me, guys. You know, if you want to know anything about Irish Schnapp, seek this out. It's a fascinating life story, and, and as I say, you know, Robbie Reed, the uh, the guy who runs that, does a, a far better job than than I could. So, uh, so nice. Yeah, check that out. All right, so with that in mind, um, let's go ahead and uh, take a look at this cover. Um, before we describe it, uh, just a, a quick note, I guess, on um, you know our conversation with Jim Shooter. Um, you know, we had talked about he used to do, um, I guess, thumbnail sketches for a lot of the stories. So too, what he do for the cover? And this cover here, um, Jim told us, was a you know based on a, a sketch of his that he provided to Neil Adams. Who then, you know, adapted Jim's sketch or whatever, and and Jim said, you know, quote, he knocked it out of the park. You know, this is exactly <laughs> yeah. what uh, what he imagined. Um, so let's go ahead and take a look at the uh, at the cover. Um, it's worth noting, I guess, that you know I'll be looking at the uh, the original comic, whereas uh, Melanie will be reading this out of uh, one of my prized possessions. You know, the uh, Legion of Superheroes Archive Edition, uh, Volume Eight of Thirteen. <laughs> I promise I won't break this spine. <laughs> so. All right, so what we see on the cover is, uh, you know, a trio of our heroes. Obviously, this is, you know, Superboy. Um, this fellow to the right here is Monel that we just talked about. And uh, you see, you almost like, um, almost subliminally, I'd say, you know, Monel's costume tends to be almost a, a reverse of Superboy's. You mm-hmm. know, where Superboy's blue with a red cape, Monel's red with a blue cape. And then, uh, and then this girl here, you know, we see her back is uh, Shadowlass, and note the blue skin, mm-hmm. alien girl. And so the three of them are in front of this, uh, you know, sort of massive bank vault-looking thing, uh, as uh, as two arms, you know, shatter it. You know, basically, it's from inside the vault. You know, that's breaking through, as uh, you know, this mysterious figure says, "Legionnaires, say your prayers. I warn you, no vault could hold me prisoner." We're dead," says Monel. You know, cringing. His magic is greater than our combined superpowers. As uh, our little, uh, you know, narrative banner at the bottom says, featuring Mordru the Merciless. Oh, <laughs> it's gonna be epic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we open our cover. Uh, let's pause real quick on our, our inside front cover to uh-huh. note the the ad for the 
brand new as tomorrow's headlines, you know, freshly branded, you know, the Hawk and the Dove. And that's the episode that we did. Right. That's covered on the TPOR podcast, episode 46, Seek It Out. (laughs) (laughs) So we begin uh, Tales of the Legion of Superheroes. Uh, As I say, you know, full page splash, um, penciled and inked by Kurt Swan. Very, very sort of dramatic. Mm -hmm. Uh, We see our, uh, you know, quartet of legionnaires, you know, running away from this massive, looming, you know, almost spectrally colored you know in like you know greens and stuff you know face taking up the the entirety of the panel and this face says cringe legionnaires tremble flee hide you can never escape from mordru the merciless bum, bum, bum. <laughs> telling you man this is gonna be good all right so we begin as another day dawns in the 30th century headquarters of the legion of superheroes um, but suddenly, the calm of the morning is shattered, as we see, you know, Monel with the, uh, you know, unconscious body of Superboy over his shoulder. And he's like, "Run, quick! He may be right behind us, Duo Damsel." Duo Damsel's like, "Superboy, is he hurt bad, Monel?" "No, just dazed," says Monel. "But we can't stop now. Hurry to the time chamber." As, uh, in the back, we see Shadow Lass. "Time? You mean yes?" says Duo Damsel. "It's our only chance, Shadow Lass." So, with desperate speed, the Legionnaires flee the halls as a dark shadow stalks behind them. Mordru, the Dark Lord, as we see, you know, in front of Legion headquarters. We didn't mention this, but uh, Legionnaires have, like, their own, like, special headquarters, you know, where all their missions are launched out of. Um, this massive uh, building in uh, what is known as uh, Weisinger Plaza. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, but over all this, you know, we see the uh, the shadow of the Dread Lord, you know, Mordru. We made it, says Monel. I guess locking the uh, uh, chamber door behind him. Hurry, says Shadowass. Activate the time cube. He may be right behind us. Oh, says Superboy, you know, groggily. There, says Duo Damsel at the uh, control panel. I've set the controls. Quick, get in one at a time. And so, in seconds, you know, we see one by one they're, you know, loading into the, the time chamber. As the last man standing, Monel. The others have gone. I'm the last. We've made our escape through time. As, uh, you know, the chamber begins pulsating, you know, all sort mm-hmm. of, you know, Star Trekky lights and stuff. <laughs> uh, so as Monel fades into time, a shadow falls across the empty chamber, and an unspoken anger smolders in the air. So, back in the 20th century, as we see, you know, our quartet, you know, uh, materialize up on a hill, you know, overlooking a little billboard that says, uh, you're now entering Smallville, mm-hmm. with Superboy. Very proud of their, uh, you, know, yeah. <laughs> you know, hometown boy done good. Uh, I'm okay now, says Superboy. But hey, look where our duo damsel brought us. I'm looking, says Shadow S. Where are we? I recognize that town, says Monel. It's Smallville, Shadow S, and Superboy's time. Uh, but why here? asks Superboy. It's the first place Mordor will look. I'm sorry, says duo damsel. I was in a bit of a hurry when I set the controls. Oh, thinks Shadow S. If only I hadn't started all this. Yet it seems so harmless. As, uh, we go into flashback. Uh, as a new legionnaire, I was trying to familiarize myself with the layout of the new HQ. While exploring the lowest sub-basement, I came across a vault. As we see, you know, Shadow S, uh, you know, poking around at things uh-huh. you probably shouldn't be touching. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was trying to open it, she says, uh, to take a look inside when Monel stopped me. No, don't, says Monel, you know, coming in the door. She's like, she's literally like trying to turn yeah. this big wheel. Why would you do that? <laughs> uh, why? What's in there? She says, Mordru, says Monel. What's a Mordru? <laughs> Shadow S. Come away from this door and I'll explain. As now Monel tells a flashback in a flashback, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mordru is from Xerox, remember Paul said, you mm-hmm, know, but, yeah. but with a Z, uh, the Sorcerer's Planet. Decades ago, he mastered the ultimate mystic powers and made himself master of his world. He ruled with an iron fist. And this now is our first image of Mordru. 
right? So, uh, I don't know. It kind of straddles the line between, like, you know, epic, you know, archmage and, and a little bit uh, silly, right? You know, we see him here in, uh, you know, a, a big purple tunic, you know, uh, um, um, but flanked by, you know, all the sort of, like, mystic accoutrements. You know, we see a crystal ball in the back, probably, like, you know, a, a cawing raven above his shoulder, you know, a big, you know, pyre in the, in the background. Um, but probably the silliest aspect is his little hat. Like, you know, yeah, I, I don't that's know. that's what I was looking at. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know, and for the benefit of everyone who doesn't know who Mordru is, you know, basically he wears almost a, um, I guess, conical helmet, you know, but not, not quite conical. It's like it's cut off at the end, almost like a... Um, uh, like almost Nehru, right? The um, the prime minister uh, of India back in the sixties, were kind of more like a you know a, oh. sh- a shaped hat like that. Um, but uh, but more Jews, you know, is different than uh, you know the the prime ministers in that he has you know these ridiculous like uh, wings yeah. coming off the, the side of it or whatever, you know, uh, like almost like a, like an eagle's wings or something. But uh, but I guess he likes it, you know, because uh, the universe watched as Monel. Uh, with growing uneasiness as Mordru sealed off his dark dominion, marshaled his armies, prepared for war on the universe. The free worlds, confident in their own power, did nothing. When war came, the force that the free worlds had not reckoned with, Mordru's own mystic spells, made his deadly armies victorious. And we see, you know, the big battle scene, you know, Mordru supersized, you know, out in space as, you know, his for- his marshaled forces, you know, are, uh, you know, warring on the rest of the universe. Captain, says, you know, one of the good guys, we're done for. Every gun in the fleet is jammed. It's sorcery. Uh, soon, Mordru had conquered most of the worlds on the outer perimeter of the galaxy. And with that, he seemed satisfied, and peace came at Mordru's will. Uh, but none had the power to defy that will. As we see, you know, the president of some planet... We must strike back, free the enslaved planets, but we dare not anger Mordru, says, you know, one of the members of the Senate or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, all remained quiet, and the free worlds prospered. Mordru was even forgotten, especially in distant galaxies where his threat never materialized. Then, a few years ago, he struck again, um, this time not conquering wholesale, uh, but adding to his collection of worlds as if selecting bubbles from a jeweler's tray. Jim Shooter really has a, you know, sort of descriptive <laughs> metaphors. Yeah. Right? Uh, Mordu went where he wished, conquered what he desired. Sometimes he sent his armies, sometimes he himself took what he wanted. No one dared oppose him until what he wanted was Earth. The legionnaires alone dared to fight back, and after a terrible battle, we defeated Mordru's armies, but we knew that our victory would only bring the, <laughs> would only bring the big cheese they go <laughs> after us uh, in person. At that time, Saturn Girl was our leader. Um, Legion, just real quick or whatever, um, does sort of yearly uh, leader elections. Um, you know, I think Saturn Girl might have been their um, second leader, right? So this would have been like year two. And then this, I believe, is uh, under the uh, aegis of Invisible Kids. So maybe like year five or something like that. What so, does Saturn Girl do? Like what's her... Oh, so she's a uh, she's one of the, the founders of whatever. She's a telepath. She comes from like the... Uh, moon, Saturn? Um, well, she comes from a moon from Saturn. She actually comes from Titan. And they all have like, you know, telepathic abilities or whatever. Um Quite progressive, really, though, because if you think about it, year two of the Legion would have been like, you know, uh, when she became leader, probably would have been like 1960, 61, female leader of a team, right? Uh-huh. You know, so. Oh, yeah, yeah, very progressive. Yeah, leader, Legion was always very cutting edge. Um, so we see, you know, the flashback continues with Saturn Girl saying, uh, How can we fight him? He's almost omnipotent. I have a plan, says Monel. Uh, so hurriedly, we made preparations. Then he came. 
the Dark Lord can change his form, and so he attacked us as a hundred-foot giant. And we see Mordru in a slightly different form here, sort of like, I guess, chainmail or something, you know, big spiky helmet and all that. <laughs> yeah, we never see this. With overalls. Form. Yeah, yeah, we never see this form again. It's like a one-panel one thing. Uh, so he attacked us as a hundred-foot giant, uh, smashing all in his path. His anger burned the very air around him as he stalked through Metropolis toward Legion HQ. We struck first, but we could not harm him. As we see, you know, all the Legionnaires, you know, attacking him with their various powers. Uh, Duo Damsel, right, we already met. Uh, here's Saturn Girl, the leader. Uh, this guy here, um, you know, putting fire out of his hands is Sun Boy. He has, like, all the powers of the sun, okay. you know, heat and fire and stuff. So those are sun flares. Yeah, yeah. And, pew, pew. Uh, and, and this uh, was uh, the very first leader and uh, one of the founders, Cosmic Boy, which um, nothing here really evocative of his powers, but he has magnetic powers. You know, he can, like, you know. Oh, so he should be able to bring him down because that's all metal well assuming that it's not magic metal <laughs> <laughs> all right so with only a fraction of his power uh mordu numbed the minds of his attackers then thinking us all vanquished he resumed his true form to gloat over his victory we see the uh, defeated legionnaires there you know cringing in the rubble as mordu lords it over them uh, however mordu hadn't noticed that superboy and i had been missing from the first attack and while he was off guard we swooped down at him with super speed and sealed him in an Airless steel block. You see, you know, Monel and Superboy, two halves of a big vault, you know, crushing more in there. Um, so now we go out of this flashback into, you know, this flashback. Uh -huh. <laughs> As, uh, you know, Monel, you know, making sure the vault's, you know, sealed or whatever, continues telling Shadow Ass. Uh, Mordru can't die, at least by any means we know. Uh, but when we caught him by super speed, he had no chance to protect himself, and the airlessness inside this block caused him to fall into a deep coma. That's why we put him in the vault, so no air could get in to revive him. Why didn't they just kill him? <laughs> He's big, big powerful. They, they can't kill him, no matter what they tried or whatever. Oh, so they have to imprison him. Right, right. Uh, if you'd like to see... Oh, and by the way, just quick They note, don't kill anybody. They don't kill anybody. Okay, yeah. there's no bloodshed. <laughs> right. So, if you'd like to see the block, says Monel, I'll slide back these steel shutters and let you look through this thick quartz window, Shadowlass. Monel, look, says Shadowlass, as, you know, the window's drawn back. Then there, the block, as... Uh, in the block, we see, you know, as echoed on the cover, the arms of Mordru, you know, shattering it through. Mordru, says Monel. Somehow a little air must have gotten into him. Ah, I gotta use the signal in my flight ring to call Superboy from upstairs. So hold on, we're supposed to believe that at the same moment that Shadow Lass is getting her first look at this vault, that that's when he's coming through. So yes, because it was it was her tampering. That let a little air in. She was messing with the little door. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, and, and she's a brand new legionnaire too. This is not going <laughs> to look well on her well, first. I, I guess me too. Performance <laughs> review. <laughs> uh, so moments later, uh, continues. Uh, oh, Shadowlass, right? As uh, Superboy and Monel entered into the vault-like chamber, uh, we see Mordru. You know. I guess melting the vault around him. That must be like the molten, you know, whatever titanium. <laughs> so free. The sleep prison is broken. My long-unused strength returns. But there are those who would seek to imprison me again. I must protect myself. Ah, says Superboy. He's emitting heat so intense, even I can't get near him. And I've endured the sun's core. It's magic, says Superboy, you know, shielding himself with his cape, his indestructible cape, by the way. Ah. Um, the one thing that can affect both me and Mon. Ah, but I'll have to take it. Try to get Mordru before he recovers his full strength. Come on, old kid. You can do it, says Superboy. Straight ahead. Close your eyes and think of icebergs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but before Superboy could reach his mark, no closer, Legionnaire, says Mordru, letting out a big mystic blast, you know, out of his, like, oh, look at, look at his fingernails. All Gross. Like, yeah. Uh, Superboy downed, thanks, Monel. 
I can't tackle Mordor alone. Our only hope is to run for it and dope out a way to stop this magic maker when we're safe. Ah, says Superboy, you know, uh, you know, downed, I guess, by this magic blast. As, uh, you know, we fade out of our story, you know, back to, you know. And this I, idyllic scene here. Well, I was going to say fade back to present time, <laughs> but no, actually fade back to the past time, right? Because uh-huh. this is, you know, Smallville in the past, whatever. Uh, so, you know, they come out of the story and uh, Duo Damsel's like, uh, we know we know all the rest, Shady. Uh, the question is, says Shadow Ass, what do we do now? Mordor wants revenge on the Legion, says Superboy, especially on Mon and me. He'll be hot on our trail fast, you can bet on that. <sighs> There's one consolation, says Monel. As long as he's after us, he won't be running riot in the 30th century. Um, although, with time travel, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but as Superboy said, says uh, Shadow Ass, um, this is the first place he'll look. On second thought, says Superboy, it might be too obvious. He might not figure we'd come here. Hmm, we're going to need disguises. Uh, so soon, in the home of Jonathan and Martha Kent, you know, Superboy's, uh, you know, foster parents or whatever. Uh, let me see uh, him give an explanation. Uh, and so, Mom and Dad, we have to give each one a secret identity, just like my Clark Kent guys. Uh, but we can't at all just move in with you, says Shadow Last. That would look suspicious. <laughs> so, Martha Kent's like recalling, so, good heavens, a girl with blue skin. <laughs> uh, right. Wait, I, let me ask you a question real quick there. So, the Kents, weren't they farmers? So okay, yeah, a little bit. Um, they were farmers when he was a baby, right? That's it. They lived on a farm or whatever. But at a certain point, they um, they actually sold the farm and moved into town, opened a general store. Oh, uh, oh, okay. So we're currently at the stage yet yeah, where they own a little store. Um, so uh, so Shadowlass is like uh, right, and Mordrew may have spies around every possible hiding place, including Smallville. So we got to be very careful. Mon um, says I could stay here with the Kents uh, without arousing suspicion. I've done it before. Sure, says Superboy. When you first arrived on Earth, you posed as my cousin, Bob Cobb. That's ridiculous. The story I don't write. Uh, Brush salesman. Uh, Old Bob will be back for a visit. That'll look normal enough. Uh, What about Duo Damsel and me? asked Shadow Lass. Uh, Clark, says Pa Kent. I'm sure uh, Chief Parker and his wife would take in one of the girls if she passed herself off as a distant relative on a surprise visit. Yes, that sounds (laughs) very reasonable. She's from the South. Uh, that takes care of Luornu, says uh, Luornu Durgo, it says ed- the editor as well, uh, is Duo Damsel's real name. So th- these code names, by the way, are, you know, obviously just their superhero names. They each have that, you know, so like, for instance, Monel, his real name is Largand, uh, as the editor's note tells us, uh, Duo Damsel is Luornu Durgo, and then um, Shadowless is Tasmia Malor. Tasmia. Well, should it be from Tasmania then? <laughs> um, so Shadow Last says uh, that takes care of Luornu, uh, but with this skin, you know, her blue skin, yeah. uh, I couldn't pass as a relative um, from anywhere but Talok, my home world. Uh, makeup is risky, says Monel, but that's our only chance. I've got a lab in the cellar, says Superboy. I'll see what I can come up with. Uh, so soon, what he comes up with is apparently, you know, makeup. <laughs> Let's make her white. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there, says Superboy. What do you think? <laughs> if it stays on, it's fine, says Lorno. Uh, I'm sure the Langs will take in, uh, what is your name, dear? Sally? Nancy? Tasmia Maller, says Shadow S. Tasmia, says Superboy. Hmm, well, we're going to have to change that. Uh, and Lorno, too. Uh, something similar and, and more common will draw less attention. Lorna sounds like a, a reasonable name. Oh, maybe Lorna. not. Maybe not in the. Um, oh, I was gonna say maybe not in the sixties, but no, no, it, because it's a Superboy. So obviously, Superman is contemporary. Mm-hmm. Superboy takes place maybe like twenty years earlier. This is probably like the late nineteen forties. Okay. So yeah, Lorna probably would jump out. Uh, well, whatever we're gonna do, says Monel. Let's make it quick. Uh, and so late that afternoon at the Parker residence, uh, Parker being um, uh, Chief of Police Parker. He's like okay. Yeah. Of, yeah. yeah. Um, what can I do for you, dear? Says the woman answering the door. 
my cousin Leah. Don't you remember your second cousin, Marie Elkins? This is the uh, disguised, you know, uh, really? duo damsel. Uh, didn't Mom's letter arrive telling you about my visit? Uh, no, child, but uh, but that's all right. <laughs> Come in. Glad to sure. have you. Things are much more trusting. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, at the Langs, uh, we see, you know, the disguised Tasmia Meller arrive. Uh, Mrs. Lang, I'm Betsy Norcross, an exchange student. The committee told me you might put me up for a while. Oh, you poor wow. dear. Says, yeah, no, really. Uh, you poor dear, says Mrs. Lang. Of course we will, Betsy. Sure. Uh, so later, you know, we see uh, Tasmia settling in, thinking, uh, stage one accomplished. Uh, you must have come quite a distance, Betsy, says Mrs. Lang. Er, yes, indeed, as she thinks. Planet Talok, 57 billion parsecs away, to be exact. Uh, come on, Betsy, says uh, Lana Lang. I'll show you to your room. It'll be fun having a sister for a while. Uh, meanwhile, in the Parker home. Uh, so tell me more about Cousin Clara, Marie. Um, <laughs> uh, she's feeling much better since her, her arthritis stopped bothering her so much, as uh, she thinks. It's a good thing Superboy dug up some info on all these relatives. <laughs> Superboy stalker. <laughs> And, uh, and meanwhile, meanwhile, <laughs> back at the uh, the Kent household, uh, we see, you know, Monel disguises, you know, Bob Cobb brush salesman. Uh, well, super, I mean, uh, Clark, I've made it known around town that Bob Cobb is back, brushes and all. Uh, be careful, though, says Superboy. No more slips like that. Until we find a d- way to deal with Mordrew, we must stick to our civilian identities. Say, what's that? Outside, something's happening. As I see Clark go to the window. It's getting darker. The air somehow seems thicker, heavier. Sort of ominous, says Monel. Oh, but what does it mean? Mordrew's here, says Superboy. I'm sure of it. He's looking for us. And before our plans have been hatched, says Monel. But where is he? Who knows, says Superboy. We have something else to worry about. That shadow out there, blanketing Smallville, is Mordrew's means of searching for us. It seeps into every corner of every building, into every crevice. If it touches us, he'll know. What can we do, says Monel? It's coming, as we see, you know, outside this really, like, sort of creepy, almost, like, sentient, you know, shadow, you know, going through every, you know, crevice and corner of mm-hmm. Smallville. Uh, meanwhile, at the next door at the Lang... Oh, I didn't realize Nalana lived next door to Clark. That's kind of cool. Um, at the, uh, the Lang house. Uh, Golly, Betsy, says Lana, looking out the window. Look at that weird shadow out there. I've never seen anything like it. Hmm, thinks Shadow asks. Don't feel badly, Lana. I'm the mistress of shadows, and I've never seen anything like it. It seems evil. Mordrew's work. My intuition tells me I shouldn't let it touch me. I must protect myself, thinks Shadow asks. Envelop myself in a shadow of my own to cancel Mordrew's. Lana won't notice in this dim light, as uh, indeed she projects a a shadow around herself. Mm -hmm. I'll also protect shadows around Superboy and the others, and pray I'm in time. What about Lana? (laughs) Well, is he looking for Lana? Oh, true, Does he know about her? No, good point. Um, So, in the Parker home, uh, we see, you know, Lorano. What? A shadowy shield is protecting me from that evil dark shape, thank heavens. And of the Kents, Superboy, says Monel. Something's screening us from Mordrew's spell. Shadowless's work, I'll bet. Whew, says Clark. Um, But though the Legionnaires find protection from the evil power, some persons do not. As the shadow passes over several people in the street, it seems, for a second, to take hold of their minds and then leaves them tools of Mordrew. Mm. You see a sort of like, you know, evil washing over some uh, little civilians here. Uh, and then even so he in, has like eyes and ears. Yeah, exactly. As uh, as even in the Lang household, you know, Lana, what's wrong? As we see Lana fainting, ah, oh, and in her head we hear you know the voice, "You are in Mordrew's power. Your eyes will be my eyes. You will watch for the Legionnaires. When you see them, I will come." Lana, what happened? Says uh, Shadowass, you know, running over to the the fallen form of Lana. I don't know, says Lana. Just all of a sudden, my, my eyes are burning. They feel like they're on fire. That's terrible, says uh, Shadowass. 
Perhaps I should phone the, the medicine, I, I mean, the uh, the doctor. <laughs> Good cover. Uh, no, I feel better. What did you just say now, Betsy? Uh, nothing. I uh, I have some work to do now. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so later that night, when Lana's asleep, you know, we see uh, Shadow Ass, you know, in bed. Oh, it's time. I must get dressed. We're meeting at Clark's house tonight. I can't be late. Uh, so presently, in the basement of the Kent home, uh, we see our, you know, four legionnaires, you know, gathered around the table, as, uh, as Superboy's saying, uh, Well, gang, this is it. Our last meeting. After this, we just fade into Smallville life and forget we were ever Legionnaires until someone comes up with a plan to battle Mordrew. But I'm scared, says Shadowass. I almost made a foolish blunder today. I'm unfamiliar with this world and time. Tomorrow I may make a mistake that'll bring Mordrew down on our necks. Oh, I'll be the death of us all. Uh, don't worry, Shadowass, says, you know, Monel comforting her. Uh, we've come through worse scrapes before. Uh, I'm a little afraid too, Superboy. Will says, you comfort uh, me? Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Says, uh, you know, uh, Duo Damsel. It's so late. Uh, in that case, Duo Damsel, says Oblivious Clark, uh, you can leave by my secret tunnel. Uh, comes up in the in the woods near Chief Parker's house, so you won't have to walk the dark streets. Uh, what? Uh, okay, thanks. <laughs> so she said, uh. you know, going down into basically a sewer pipe. Ah, <laughs> you know? oh, men, she's thinking. And that's Shadowass. I guess she finally figured her crush on Brainiac 5 wasn't going to get her anywhere. Uh, with Supergirl in the picture, so she sunk her hooks into Monel just like that, and I can't even get Superboy to walk me home. Uh, and so later, you know, we see her, you know, getting into bed, thinking, I guess Superboy doesn't really have a reason to flip from me, with Lana Lang and countless other girls worshiping him. Uh, it's silly of me. On 30th century history tapes, I've seen who he'll marry when he grows up to be Superman, but I can't help it. Uh, so soon, uh, as quiet figures enter into quote-unquote Marie's room, you know, we see the Parkers, Oh, so this is your cousin Clara's daughter, says Chief Parker. Pretty girl. Shh, says Mrs. Parker. She's asleep. Why, Douglas, look at her pillow. I think she cried herself to sleep. I wonder why. I'm, uh, I'm just going to pause just for a second here to remark upon those three panels or whatever, you know, uh, duo damsel sort of, you know, feeling like, you know, Superboy snubbing her and the yeah. consequent crying her to sleep. It doesn't seem like much. You know, it's a small little thing. But something to bear in mind is that, you know, comics of this time didn't really have emotional beats didn't really have like quiet personal moments this little thing you know as you know innocuous as it looks was actually a a significant influence on uh, on later writers you know a a major writer both of the legion and, and many many other things a fellow by the name of mark wade uh, specifically cites these three panels as uh, as something that you know influenced his style of writing throughout his entire life he always really? thinks back to yeah jim Sh- you know basically 14 year old jim shooters ability to capture something in such a small little snippet nice since they are very good um so the next morning at the langs you know we see uh, tasmia you know shadow ass waking up uh, come on sleepyhead says lana lang uh, wake up it's time for school huh school says uh, <laughs> shadow ass uh, says at breakfast you know she's, she's still puzzling this over she's like so where do you keep your schoolatrons she will be uh, the death of them all <laughs> uh, our, our, what it, it's a short walk to school if that's what you mean betsy uh, uh walk oh, oh yes darn she thinks i almost blew our cover again i gotta remember this is earth in the 20th century on Taloc in the 30th century, we have no school as such. We learn by plugging into a schoolatron into the family computer. Um, don't let this bug you, Shadow Ass, says our narration. Your secret identity will be the least of your troubles in part two. Was, uh, part two Which was brings right, us to... Right, around right, the right, <laughs> next page, part two. Uh, Morju and the mob. How creepy is that with his smile? Yeah, really. He's a, just, a, you know, for the benefit of everyone listening, Morju's just got this, like, insane, almost, like, crazed look in his yeah. eye with a big smile. As uh, very stereotypical, like, you know, late 1940s mobsters, on the other hand. Uh-huh. This is like, you know, uh, 20 years ago from the 1960s. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, 
uh, so soon uh, as our you know chapter begins uh, we see uh, the girls uh, walking to school look Betsy says Lana Lang uh, there's a boy over there uh, that I want you to meet Clark Kent <laughs> and the shadowless thinks Lana doesn't know it but she's introducing me to a person I face death with uh, glad to meet you Betsy says Clark and now I'd like to introduce you two to Marie Elkins who's visiting the Parkers uh, Marie that's a pretty name says Lana and uh, we get a little note and says, uh, although as insect queen, you know, Lana's... Right. right, right uh, Lana belongs to the Legion Reserve. She's actually never met Duo Damsel before, and so she doesn't recognize her. Um, but while all this, you know, <laughs> exposition's going on, you know, Clark's looking away. Uh-oh, he's thinking, it's getting dark. Is this Mordor's work again? As uh, suddenly an incredible disaster strikes the town. Clark, look, says Shadowless. It's a tidal wave. Eek, says Duo Damsel. It's destroying Smallville. Impossible, but but even though it's impossible, we see you know this massive tidal wave like knocking down the church and like roaring down the street, as uh, from another direction. And look over there, says Clark, a stampede of what is it of like dinosaurs? Yeah, <laughs> this is very natural. Of gigantic monsters, says Lana. What's happening? Says Dewa Damsel. Is, is this the end of the world? As uh, as elsewhere, you know, we see the, the entire town beginning to panic. You know, fire, fire! Says some fellow. Half of the town is burning up. What can we do? Thinks Superboy. If we switch to our super identities, Mordru may find us. Ah, wait! Says, says Superboy. You know, spin around. There's Monel, and he seems perfectly calm. Uh, Bob says Superboy. You know, the Monel. <laughs> <Bob. laughs> uh, the, the town's being wrecked. No, it isn't. This is obviously an illusion created by Mordru to get us to expose ourselves. Says Monel. And so, as the long minutes pass. Oh, look, says Superboy, dead store burning, McCarthy House trampled. This better be an illusion or Clark, look, says Monel, as suddenly everything's normal again. Oh, that's it's crazy. Like it just wiped out. Oh, thank goodness, says uh, Shadowlass. It's uh, it was some kind of mass delusion. Whew, thinks Superboy, and even I was almost ready to believe it wasn't. What do you suppose caused it, Clark? says uh, Duo Damsel. Who knows? Maybe some kind of crazy mirage. Uh, if we hurry, says Lana, we can make it to class. Like You're just like, oh, yeah, okay, I just saw dinosaurs and fire, but uh, let's get to school. Yeah, <laughs> yeah whatever. So, uh, so soon in the classroom, we see the uh, the teacher introducing, you know, the exchange student, quote-unquote. Uh, class, I'd like you to meet Betsy Norcross, an exchange student who will be with us for the next few weeks. Hey, says some little kid. She's got blue skin. Look at her arm. As uh, indeed, hey, it is blue. There's a little patch of, like, blue, on, I guess, in her forearm. Yeah. Um, where are you exchanging from? Mars? Uh-oh. Tasmania. Thinks, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh-oh, thinks Clark. Uh, Betsy must have bumped up against something and rubbed off some of her makeup. I gotta think. I know. My fountain pen. As he pulls out his little ink pen, right? The kind yeah. that he used to suck up, whatever. So he squirts out a little ink. Hey, what's the idea? It's like some Oops. dude gets... Like, yeah. Sorry, Mike. Uh, I've been having trouble with this pen. <laughs> Look, Mike's got blue skin, too. I bet Clark's pen squirted on Betsy's arm. Good, yeah, probably. Good cover. Right? Hope it doesn't happen again. <laughs> so, uh, so later, you know, we see... Uh, Folks gathering outside as uh, you know, Duo Damsel's like, uh, Well, Betsy, uh, how do the schools here compare to where you come from? <laughs> come on, dude. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's more exciting here, says Tasmia. <laughs> uh, Clark, don't forget our, our movie date tonight, says Lana. Uh, I won't. Uh, I was thinking, though, my cousin Bob Cobb is in town. Uh, maybe he can take Betsy. We'll make it a double date. Uh, well, I gotta leave, says Duo Damsel. Um, you guys enjoy yourselves tonight. Because like, she's yeah. like, odd man out. Right? Yeah, she's like, I, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> Oh, poor Luarnu, thinks Tasmia. She feels left out, I guess. Superboy never notices her. Uh, hey, look over there, says Lana, noticing something else. Those trucks, they're going to collide, as we see, you know, two trucks barreling down the Smallville Street. Uh, trucks about to crash, thinks Monel, and neither Superboy nor I dare use our powers for fear of Mordru. Uh, but, you know, somebody who can use, you know, I guess something, you know, is, is Luarnu. 
I have an idea that might save those drivers. This school sign, she says, picking up like a little sign, I guess, you know, slow, you know, drive slow, you know, uh-huh. school or whatever. Uh, if I can just throw it under one of those trucks' wheels, as, you know, she hurls this sign, and perfect. It acted as a ramp and, and flipped that truck out of the other's way. Like, A? How's that perfect? <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, really, she flipped over a truck. But, like, really? Would that even work? Like, you th- oh, maybe it's concrete. Maybe it, it almost acts as, like, you know, like a you know, block or something. But super dangerous, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, and how would you even lift that? <laughs> really? So, uh, and seconds later, uh, we see uh, you know, crowd gathers around. Uh, we want to thank you, little girl. Uh, you probably saved both of our lives. Magnificent work, young lady. And the two truck drivers... Uh, thank you, says Lorno. Uh, that was great, Marie, says uh, Superboy. Um, but that's a heavy sign, says one of the truck drivers. <laughs> um, but in emergencies, I guess sometimes people do have strength that are beyond their their normal strength. Uh, double their strength, says Superboy, winking. Uh, you might say, see you tomorrow, Marie. Um, I, I didn't know that, apparently. You know, I say she splits into two girls, so maybe as a single person she has a strength of two. Ah. Okay, blah, 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 whatever. Um, <laughs> so, so we see Shadowless thinking. Uh, well, what do you know? Superboy finally realizes uh, Luorno exists. Now, if only they stop thinking of her as a legionnaire and start thinking of her as a girl. As uh, she walks away and Superboy checking her out and says, I never realized Duo Damsel was so pretty before. Get your mind on the game here, Clark. Right? <laughs> you know, Sorcerer bearing down. Um, Lana, you know, jumps in. She's like, Clark, I wonder where Superboy is. He's usually Johnny on the spot when there's an emergency. Ooh, Johnny on the spot. I say that too. Me, me and Lana have a lot in common. I just, I'm gonna hold you on. You have a thing for her. I, I'll be honest. You know, like growing up, I totally did. Like, I know it's a fictional character or whatever, but I always thought that you know Lana Lang was like you know the cutest little girl or whatever. Okay. It's very very strange. But uh, anyway, Clark's like, um, oh, uh, Superboy's probably off on a mission in space, Lana. Um, so a few days later, uh, we see, you know, more action going on in Smallville, you know, the town where, you know, drama never stops. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we see this dude, I guess, climbing the jewelry exchange. You know, perhaps this is uh, Eagle. <laughs> uh, look, that human fly crook just robbed the jewelry exchange with those suction cups on his hands and knees. Uh, he can make his getaway over the rooftop. Uh, maybe the police can head him off, says a little pedestrian. Where's Superboy? He could nab that thief in a second. Uh, and where Superboy is, is uh, at the Kent home. There's a Pa Kent, you know, reading the newspaper, which says, Superboy missing, gone for a week, no explanation. Uh, the newspapers are asking what happened to Superboy. I know, Dad, says Clark, uh, but the police and the fire department are doing okay without me. Uh, if Mordrew found us, says Monel, you know, disguised as Bob Cobb, Smallville would really have something to worry about. Uh, so the heroes remain in hiding. The dawning of the eighth morning, the Legionnaire's exile, seems no different from any other, until, suddenly, breaking the morning calm, Look, as a, you know, a gang, old-fashioned gangster car rolls into town. It's King Carter and his gang. I recognize them from news photos. What do they want in Smallville? Says a pedestrian. All right, you friendly natives of this burg, listen. The king speaks. As, uh, you know, King Carter comes out. I've declared this town my kingdom. My men and I are taken over. And just to make sure none of you subjects lets anyone know about this, we're going to cut the telephone lines. Kelly, slob, gotcha, your majesty. As, you know, either Kelly or slob start, you know, machine gunning the, the telephone wires. Don't try anything, faithful subjects, says the king. And don't think I'd think twice about erasing this town if it doesn't suit me. As uh, as later, you know, we see all the king's mobsters, you know, looting the, the various, you know, stores. Here's some more tribute from the stores, your majesty. Good, says the king. Maybe I ought to impose a special tax before that big bank job in Metropolis tomorrow. Hey, here's some food, guys. You know, says that dude, I guess, looting the restaurant. Um, take some to Gus. He's walking the beat. 
Uh, I've got a royal desire for some cherry slob. Get me some from that fruit stand, says the king. You know, it's just real quick. I'm like describing this monster scene, but I'm not really doing it justice. What they've done is basically mounted a, a uh, like an armchair on yeah. top of his car to almost like act as a uh, throne or whatever. And so they're driving through and he's acting, you know, as the king. Um, so, yes, your majesty, says slob, you know, heading over and get some cherries. Uh, hey, give me all your cherries, mister, now. Um, but I, I must sell them. My family needs the money, says the, the, the fruit vendor. Uh, so what? The king's got to eat, too. Uh, meanwhile, in the Kent General Store, right, mm-hmm. so no longer on the farm. Um, Dad, you gave those gangsters tribute? I'd rather fight them, son, uh, but no one else is willing to without Superboy to back us up. No one, huh, says Clark. We'll see about that. And so soon, you know, as our uh, legion folk, you know, gather in, in the Kent living room. Uh, so that's the problem, group. We must convince the townspeople to fight. Those hoods think they're safe because Superboy's not in sight? Well, we'll prove them wrong. And so, the word is passed, you know, as the, uh, I guess, Legion, you know, hits the town and informs everybody. Um, but they have machine guns, says the hardware uh, store owner. Uh, well, none of us is safe, says Duo Damsel. As long as the mob controls Smallville, we must act. Well, all right, Marie. Um, I got five more volunteers, Dad, says Clark, you know, in, in the Kent household. And I've got four, Mr. Kent, says, uh, you know, Shadow Ass. Fine, says Mr. Kent. We have enough. Tomorrow, we move. So, the next morning, you know, we see, I guess, all the volunteers, you know, um, gathered together as a mob in the streets, you know, facing down the gangsters. This is it, folks, you know, whispers Pa Kent to the the crowd. Keep calm. As, uh, you know, the king sees them approaching, he's like, All right, neighbors, that's close enough. What do you people want? We demand that you hoods leave Smallville, shouts Pa Kent. Ha! Your town is in our grip, mister, and we're keeping it that way. As, uh, you know, Pa thinks, if it can distract you long enough, you might just lose your grip. Uh, but you're taking all we have, he shouts. Well, ain't that just too bad? As, uh, as suddenly, you know, from the rooftops of Smallville, we see, you know, the, the crowd arise, you know, and then start dumping stuff on them. Like see, cabbage. Yeah, yeah, vegetables, lettuce, right, rotten fruit. Oh, we've been pelted with vegetables, says the king. Can't <laughs> distracted us while those guys took positions on the rooftop. Fire, kill them! Um, but then, you know, before they can fire or kill him, charge, says the crowd. Get king! Oof, uh, we got the guns! Blast him! Defend me, knaves! Says the king. <laughs> um, but, uh, but on the street, you know, we see, uh, you know, Clark and, and Bob Cobb thinking, uh, Mon and I can lend some secret aid. Our heat vision will melt down the firing pins in those guns as, uh, you know, with you know precision both of them i guess you know target the the firing pins this won't fire says one of the mobsters hey my gun's jammed as uh, you know off to the side we see another mobster being made short work of by duo damsel hey no little girl can you were saying mr slob says duo damsel giving him a sort of like you know judo throw over her shoulder uh, and so in a matter of minutes no no let me go says in the king as the, the townspeople grabbed him uh sure king as soon as we can get you to a nice safe jail cell um, so later, I guess, after, you know, all the action, they, you know, arrest King and we see our, our legionnaires, you know, regather, you know. Nice idyllic scene again. You know, the hiding in the woods, basically. Um, are you thinking what I'm thinking, Mon? Says Clark Kent. Uh, yeah, we told the people of Smallville not to hide from their troubles, to face up to the gangsters. Mm. Well, all the time, says Shadowass, we've been hiding from Mordrew. Uh, and so, I guess, you know, making their, uh, their decision to, to face up to their fears, you know, we see them changing back into their superhero identities as, uh, as in the Parker household, you know, uh, we see Lorna in her duo damsel costume. Uh, you're going back to which century, says Chief Parker? Uh, never mind, uh, just thanks for being wonderful people. Uh, say hello to your mother for us, Marie, says <laughs> Uh, so soon, in an alley behind the Kent home, you know, we see them now in, in full costume. 
Um, you didn't lose the device, did you, Superboy? Says uh, Shadowlass. No, says Superboy. As soon as I make some adjustments, this remote control gimmick will return us to the 30th century, Shadowlass. But, watching from a neighboring window, we see Miss uh, Lana Lang as uh, her eyes glaze over and, you know, we see the uh, the reflection of Morju, like, you know, in, in her pupils. Oh, Superboy, the Legionnaires, she thinks. I am Morju's eyes. Morju will know what I saw. He will come. Hmm. As uh, suddenly, you know, out in the woods, blam! Superboy, what was that? Says Duo Damsel, swinging around. Search me, Duo Damsel. Look, says Monel. It can't be, says Shadowlass. But it is, says Superboy. It's. Continued on the second page following. <laughs> <laughs> Marjorie! Big full, full page. Yeah, says, uh, you know. Three times the size of the Legionnaire as we nice see. Hat. Yeah, Mordu. <laughs> eyes crazed, you know, menacing, you know, looming over them all. Fingernails long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wouldn't you know it, says our narration. The showdown finally comes and we're fresh out of pages. Uh, so we'll have to oh. wait. <laughs> right. So we'll have to wait a month, um, but it'll be worth it. Pete Ross and Lana, Insect Queen Lang, join the battle in the next issue of Adventure. Um, but uh, but fortunately, uh, we will not have to wait a month for that story. You know, we're going to leave it on a cliffhanger, and we'll only have to wait one week, and we will we'll pick up the uh, the Legion's you know epic you know battle against the the Dark Lord Mordru. <laughs> um, so with that in mind, I think we should probably actually hold off on your judgment until you get the the whole story. Maybe just judge it as one single thing. Okay, sounds um, good. But uh, but with that in mind, though, I would like to at least at this point. You know, sort of, you know, put a pin in it and uh, and turn it over to you, though, for your, your opinions, um, both on your introduction to the Legion, uh, like I say, you know, maybe missing some of the traditional trappings. Obviously, there's a 20th century story, so you're not seeing the whole futuristic aspect. Um, but what do you think about, you know, the characters you've met? What do you think about, you know, the villain itself, the sort of like looming danger? And then, you know, overall, just, you know, what do you think about the story? Um, so the characters I've met so far are... Um... I know, like the, the Legion has like what forty people in it. Yeah, like at this point, I think maybe like twenty five members. Twenty five. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I, I guess I've met like you know a few of them now. Um, I don't really feel like I know them. I haven't really seen any of them like really do anything like actiony yet. But I think that's probably coming in part two. Um, artwork looks good, and the story um, is complex. It's a lot more complex than the other stories. Yeah. And and I'm, I'm I'm struggling a little bit, you know. But uh, and and I'm still mixing them up in my head as I'm seeing them, you know. The, like the missing mixing up the characters and stuff. You're saying like you know Lorno versus Tasmia, that yeah, type thing. It, yeah, yeah, exactly those so, two actually. Yeah. So I mean, like honestly, like I say, um, given the fact that it is on the you know just the flip side of the Silver Age, a lot of the personality stuff that would like distinguish characters maybe isn't even you know in place yet. Um, but to your point, the complexity of the story, uh, absolutely. As uh, you know, I don't think we're going to read you know tons and tons of, of Jim Shooter stories. Um, but that is something you know, per the conversation we just had with Paul, that Jim definitely brought to the table, right? Uh-huh. You know, basically taking Mort's kind of like childish you know approach to telling stories and saying you know from a child's perspective, let's make it a little more complex. Let's make it actually the way that you know teenagers behave. And we saw that even in microcosm there with the, you know, Lorno in, in the tunnel thing, right? You know, she's yeah. all bemoaning the fact that the boy doesn't like her and that type thing, you know? <laughs> she's all alone crawling through a tunnel, as teenage girls do. <laughs> as teenage girls do. Uh, let's see. Uh, Mordru, like I said, we haven't actually had the fight with him, but the sort of like, you know, hints, you know, and ask, what do you think about that? He's a little goofy looking, um, 
But I imagine that, like, it was probably, like, one of the most fierce characters at the time. Yeah. We, um, I, so you and I know, we just, because we just had a conversation with Jim Shooter or whatever, what the inspirations for this character are. I think I would like to hold off on that for the show until next uh, episode. I think what we'd like to do is at the front end, maybe do a, a brief bio of, uh, of Jim Shooter himself. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you know, we'll go into what he told us as far as, you know, what informed the character of Mordrew. Um, but yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the great things that he brought to the Legion was uh, a more diverse, you know, uh, cast, of, cast of villains. You know, up to that point, they'd kind of been like, you know, ha ha ha, like the Felix Fausti type people. Um, Jim Shooter really brought long lasting, complex villains, you know, things like um, the Fatal Five, you know, that we saw in the cartoon, uh-huh. uh, Mordrew. Um, the Dark Circle, which is almost like, you know, a futuristic terrorist organization. Re- really, you know, a lot, a lot of great ideas. Um, so, yeah, like I say, we'll delve more in, into that next episode. Uh, overall, just, um, you know, thoughts? So the king, he's not, he doesn't recur, right? <laughs> no, 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 no. That's okay. Just, that's just, I think that was maybe like a, a space filler or whatever. Like, oh my God, I could do 48 pages on this story. Or yeah. Okay, let's throw a little, you know, gangster thing in there. He's He was kind of like fun, but also like, a little like jokey because yeah. like he was like defend me knaves and mm. sitting in his chair on top of his car and he didn't even stand up yeah smallville itself like they so like you know superboy stories they they you know almost invariably take place you know in smallville and over time you just realize this place you know must be like a weirdness magnet or something like you know like <laughs> it's you know quote unquote small right but there's always like you know tidal waves and volcanoes and like every week you know another gang running through and like robbing the same store you know well I think Superboy's probably attracting oh, all that in see now th- this is why you, you bring this unique for say <laughs> that's absolutely right exactly you know like the, the notoriety I guess of Superboy probably did bring people into like almost challenge a little bit yeah you're probably exactly right all right. Um, so with that in mind, um, do you have anything else or you want to wrap this up? Nope. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. Okay. So we'll leave it on the cliffhanger. And like I say, we'll pick it up uh, next episode with Adventure 370, the uh, the second half of this. Um, for the time being, I think we could just uh, go ahead and close it out with our contact info. Um, if you enjoyed this episode and would like to find the next one next week, you know, that, that <laughs> concludes this for you, you can do so at our website, which is tporpodcast.com. Dot com. Um, and you know, if you'd like to comment, you know, on this or, or any other episode you've listened to, you can do so at our email address, which is tporpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can follow us in a couple different venues, you know, on Twitter, we are at tporpodcast. And then Facebook, we are facebook.com backslash tporpodcast. Exactly. Um, if you'd like to subscribe to our show, uh, you can do so in a multitude of venues. You know, we've got uh, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podcastpedia, or any podcatcher of your choice. Um, is that all of our things? Just don't forget to rate us. Oh, yeah, right. You can you can do ratings on any of those things. As a matter of fact, you can do comments on any and all of them. You can comment on iTunes. You can comment on our website. You can comment anywhere you like but you know what do comment you know we are uh, like i say you know always soliciting feedback and we would love to hear from you um perhaps you know as i say you know if you write in and, and you'd like you know to uh contribute um you could do like you know paul or vanessa in the past did maybe we'll invite you on the show and have you as a guest absolutely <laughs> all right so with that in mind uh, we'd like to thank you as always uh, we hope you had a good time and we hope to see you here next time on the parliament of books podcast thanks everybody